Welcome to episode 258 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And we are at my place, and it's Sunday at 8.45 p.m., so we're really working hard for you guys because we know that you wanted a show. Um, and we haven't been on air for a month at this stage because a lot of shit's been going on for us. But anyway, uh, Jason, how are you doing? Oh, you're good. I'd yeah? say hold on to your britches, kitties, because we got a show for you tonight, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. A lot to talk about. We certainly do. I wouldn't believe my life if I wasn't living it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just realized that we never even talked about uh, my night with the Korean billionaires. We never mentioned that on the we show. We never talked about it. You want to open, you want to open with that? Yeah, why not? All right, go on, because that, that's a fun story. Okay, so, I don't know, this goes back about two months, probably. Um, so, a guy I play basketball with, there's a group of, uh, I don't know, a group of guys I play basketball with on Sunday nights. Yeah. Which is, and actually, the gym is closed tonight, that's why I'm here. <laughs> ah. So, you know, word gets around that you write code or whatever, and, and then people start asking, you know, you know, if you're available to do this or that, and this guy says, hey, listen, you know... I know these guys and uh, they're these Korean guys and they're like billionaires or I don't know. They're, they're not billionaires. They're rich, but they're not billionaires. They certainly have FU money, yeah. but uh, I would say they're probably DECA millionaires. Yeah. Maybe centimillionaires, but they're not billionaires. All right. So, uh, and I, the, the whole thing was they wanted me to meet them at this club. I can't remember the name of it. I'm forgetting. It's some blanking on it. And it was like 10 o'clock at night or something. And um, uh, and that was all I knew. I didn't know until I got the call like 15 minutes before. But what, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, so you're playing basketball with some guy. He says, look, I've got a lot of friends. They're all billionaires. And, or, well, centennials, whatever you said. And I want, you're a software developer. I'm going to pitch you with an idea. I want to meet you at a club at midnight. Not I'll, be, exactly. I'll be wearing a white carnation and a long trench coat. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't quite like that. You know, he's got, and this guy's just a middleman. Okay. And he's like, listen, my boss, because he works for a big internet company that everybody would recognize. He's like, my boss is friends with these guys. And he's like, I know these guys and they have this project they want to get done. And so uh, this guy does work for an internet company. Yes. He's okay. pretty high up in a big internet company. Everybody yeah. Knows. Yeah. Right. And um, so I said, all right, you know, what the hell? Right. So, and you were joking, like, am I ever going to see you again? <laughs> You'll come back. <laughs> so, uh, I met him at this club, and it's one of these, ostensibly one of these karaoke clubs. But the way these work is that you rent a room, a private room, which is probably a little bit bigger than this living room here that we're in. Mm-hmm. And you have like a kind of a comfy couch, it's like a U shape that goes all the way around it. And then there's a big screen TV and there's a centerpiece with lots of different types of alcohol and things like that. And then what they do is they bring in what are called dome, which are uh, kind of, they were kind of describing them as sort of like Korean geisha. Mm -hmm. But whereas they don't, but unlike geisha, they're not dressed in some kind of traditional garb. They're just dressed like in really sexy looking like um, club attire, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. <clears throat> and they're not all Korean. I would say maybe 20% of them are Korean. Um, the rest were any mix of races, right? So basically hot girls in hot, tight hot clothes. young girls in their 20s, dressed to the nines, and they would... <laughs> so I get there. They're like, hey, Jason, sit down right there. They introduced me to a couple guys. So we're, we're sitting down there, and then 
you know, one of the managers of the place kind of looks in and they kind of nods at where the guys and the next thing you know, like three beautiful girls come walking in and just stand there. And the guys kind of look and they're like, she said no. And then they just leave. And then, and I'm like, well, what's going on? He's like, well, you got to pick one. I'm like, pick one. What do you mean pick one? He's like, yeah, you pick one. And then they'll sit with you for the night or, you know, whatever. I'm like, all right. You know, and so this is, very strange, right? So then a couple rounds of girls come in, sometimes one or two at a time, sometimes five at a time. So you didn't pick one from the first round? Well, I've How been, did you know? Did you think, did you think, I need to do like a binary search here? Like, I don't know what the second round's going to look like, so the first round. No, my thought was like, how am I going to get in trouble here? I feel like I, <laughs> this seems extremely dangerous, right? It, like, it, I, see, isn't it illegal? I mean, it's, it sounds well, very no, weird. How would it be illegal? I mean, so okay, so far, so it's that. If you that's always all say it, that, I can't tell you how if, many times I brought something up. And you like think it's illegal, but if, that, if that's all it is, then it's not a problem. I mean, just, right. just, yeah. I guess. So basically, a chatting partner is what a dome is. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, they're like, I guess it's like a hostess. So what they do, they just sit down next to you, and so like each guy in there. So the way it works in Korea, I guess, yeah, is that each. This is how business is done in Korea. Apparently, mm-hmm. I, 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 at least that's what I was told. Like in yeah. Korea. You don't do business unless you go out drinking and, and, you know, almost always there dome there, right? And the reason that you drink and you have dome is it makes everybody relax and have a good time and the relationships solidify and, you know, business gets done. Yeah. Right? So they said, like, without when girls, when pretty, he's like, well, when pretty girls are around, everybody's in a much better mood. Right. right? It's just, you know, which I'm like, I can't argue with that, right? But I'm th- sitting there thinking, like, you know, I'm married guy like this just feels really awkward like i feel like i <laughs> i don't want to get in trouble you know i i don't know where this is going and uh but you know all these guys are married right not that that means anything so sometimes. just to be clear you've discussed this with sandy yeah this is like this this, I tell, this whole look, story i tell sandy everything right so this whole I tell story sandy, that's why well i practically tell the podcast audience everything <laughs> if you think i tell the podcast if i if you think i tell you people everything <laughs> uh, you people yeah I tell Sandy everything. I mean, the reason I, I mean, I, you know, as you know, I'm extremely open. Right. And, uh, but I think the, the best policy is, is not to keep things from your wife slash girlfriend. I think you sleep a lot better at night. All right. You know, I remember, I'll, I'll finish this story in a second, but I remember this is like six, five or six years ago. And my girlfriend from probably 10 years previous and my girlfriend, I mean, like we lived together for years I and mean, it was, you know, practically almost more like an ex-wife in some ways. She called me out of the blue for 10 years. This was like New Year's Day or something like that. And I'm, I am I answer the phone. I'm in the office and she's like, Jason? I was like, uh, Jennifer? I mean, it's very like kind of shocking to hear. Yeah. Her. And because the, the breakup did not end well, right? And basically she calls up to tell me that I was the love of her life. I was like, but she, she's married and has kids, and I'm like, I don't really know. How, I mean, I'm thinking, I have no idea how to respond for this to this, but this seems very dangerous. To even I have wish this you could see my face now, audience. <laughs> you people, yeah. I'm like, I'm just like my drawer. My drawer yeah. is dropping here. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, look, she had, <laughs> for my amateur uh, uh, diagnosis, borderline personality disorder. So she would say all kind of random stuff. So the fact that she was telling me that doesn't necessarily mean it was true. She might. And, and then she was telling me she would, she, that she had actually told her husband that at some point. And I was just like, this is really strange. Right. But 
it would have been very easy for me to just have this awkward 10 minute phone conversation with her. Basically, she's telling me her life is great and I'm like, I'm happy for you all stuff. But it would have been very easy for me not to say that to her, to tell Sandy about that, right? But I'm like, guess who just called? <laughs> No, you I know, mean, because I hate having anything hidden. It's just, it's no, I'm always, the same. I'm the same. Honestly, I think that that it would that would be really bad to not say anything to your wife about something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, look, I just answered the damn phone. You know, yeah. I mean, what? anyway. Um, so a few rounds of girls come by, and the guys are looking at me like, look, you got to pick one, right? Like that's just that's what we're doing here. And so I'm like, okay. So they, you know, after a while, a few, you know, five, six, seven rounds of girls come in, and, and then the guys start picking one or two, and, and the girls cozy up next to him and you know just kind of sitting next to him smiling and talking whatever and i'm like okay and then it's finally this girl comes in and it was like uh a obviously a dead ringer but very similar looking to penelope penelope cruz i mean just flat out gorgeous she was from georgia is that you know Mm -hmm. ukraine just gorgeous so she comes in i'm like okay i'll take that one So she sits down next to me and, you know, anyway, it was this funny thing where we're, I mean, you know, some of the guys had kind of their arms, like the girls kind of locked their arms with them and then they're kind of flirty and talkative, but it's not like anyone's like anything more than that's happening, but it felt a little weird and they're there for two hours with you. And basically that's, that was pretty much the extent of, of what the Dome are, are do. They just sit there and kind of flirt and talk and whatever. Are you people thinking what I'm thinking, which is. What the hell was the business idea they were going to pitch to you? Well, I can't talk about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is illegal. No, I'm, I'm just saying it's not illegal. But um, you could, I, can't, I can't talk about that. After all that. No, I can't talk about the business idea. But that's the least interesting part. Fair enough. Everyone's got an idea for an app or something, right? Yeah. So, But that was not actually the most interesting part of the night. So sit there i'm talking wait well, you know the funny thing is i'm sitting here talking to her you know and she's nice you know she studied italian i think her major in italian was in italian and she had graduated university and come over to the u.s recently and you know wants to be an actress or whatever as is typical in la and um then after it gets towards like midnight and i'm like all right guys i like i gotta roll man i'm getting tired and they're like whoa, whoa no no we're going over to our uh, our private um club now and i'm like what sounding worse so <laughs> we get out there and the the guys they bring up their like decked out Range Rovers and model I mean all these fancy cars like a whole slew of them right and then they get a whole new set of Dome to come in the cars with them huh. right so we go over and we drive to their down downtown LA and we get in, we go up to their they're in the penthouse of this building and they have like this huge room a huge apartment which they've kind of turned into like a party club thing I guess have their own like karaoke style area the whole section of it, overlooking downtown la we go up there and you know again just talking you know just whatever small talk with the domain and then it's like because this time it's like 1 30 in the morning two in the morning and then a couple other i noticed there's a couple other people i know there's a couple girls there but they're not dressed the nice one's like what's well, just in jeans they kind of like a normal like as people you see wander around a party and i'm like oh i guess some people's friends stop by and i talked to this one guy and they go oh yeah that guy over there he builds these hype hyper secure vpns because of all the nsa stuff that's broke like that's what he does and so they got to introduce you to that guy so i go over there and i start talking to him and and uh someone says something about my background he's like dude you gotta work with me man i'm making like a million dollars a month you gotta you gotta work with me i'm like whoa okay and uh it was funny conversation and then and then um 
this girl introduces, introduces me to, and I'm blanking on her name right at the moment, but she was one of the two people who founded the cat signal, you know, the, the internet defense. Oh, league. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are the chances of running into somebody like that at this private club penthouse dome party in downtown LA? Very slim, I would imagine. So I'm spending, I spend from like two to four in the morning talking to her about SOPA and PIPA and, and <laughs> the Internet Defense League and everything. And then we, it's the funny thing is we go out, we start get talking all about the NSA stuff and all this stuff. And we're going toe to toe and all this stuff. And like, I hardly ever talk to anybody who knows as much about this stuff as I do, reads as much or is as interested as I am. Right. And she's like the same way. So she is looking at me with suspicion. <laughs> and she's like, well, first of all, I'm like, this is crazy that she knows as much. So we're just like, you know, back, back, back and forth. And this is like at three in the morning at this thing. And she's like, look at me. She's like, wait a minute. Are you NSA? <laughs> and I think she was like one third joking, maybe half joke. But there's a part of her was like a little suspicious. Like she's like, why do you know all this? And like, why are you here talking to me? Right. Like this just doesn't seem like I said, it was weird for me to run into her there. She's kind of thinking the same thing you know, about me. And you would be suspicious if you were if you were spearheading a project like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So she's because they they pissed off a lot of powerful yeah, people. Yeah um in industry and in government and so anyway i spent a lot of time talking with her and it was really interesting but so it was just one of these crazy nights and finally i finally at four in the morning guy i'm like guys i gotta go like and they're like they're like they're just getting started i mean that's their lives what does sandy say when you go home so because one of these things that they do is one of the guys like he has a huge entertainment management company so they manage like the biggest stars out of korea Right. So they're this is departing the is their life. This they're like professional professional partiers in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting. I'd never heard of Domes. I'd never was Sandy up when you got home. <laughs> Sandy goes to sleep at like nine. She was like flat out. She's like at nine thirty. I mean, I wasn't even up when I got home. <laughs> I got home at like four thirty or four fifteen. That's in the cool. I mean, I I just wish we could have discussed the business idea because it was kind of interesting. Um, but that's that's okay. Yeah, we well, can't talk somebody's business idea like that. I guess. Right? Yeah, good point. Yeah, you know. Um, so that so I, I I wasn't killed or disappeared. No, nothing. Uh, nothing untoward happened. Just nothing weirdness. Illegal. It was just an interesting slice of life. You know, I mean, seeing that in person, like who, how how would I have ever imagined? I would never imagine myself in that situation. But then again, my life is pretty strange. So. A lot of well, that was like the time. I mean, I don't know whether I mentioned this on the show, but uh, one time I was flying over to the U.S. and um, I ended up sitting next to this guy who was a documentary, uh, who made documentaries, and he was mm-hmm. currently making a documentary about Axl Rose. Actually, mm-hmm. it was flying from the U.S. back to the U.K. Mm-hmm. and he was missing a cameraman. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the end of the flight, I talked him into the fact, "Hey, listen, I can come and do the ca- I can be a cameraman for you for for your Axl Rose gig tonight." Mm-hmm. So that night, I was like literally in the in the kind of private area where they have the after gig, uh, the after gig, I guess party, and then Axl Rose did like a second concert, and I was just there with, and it was really strange. It was talk about girls, like basically during the end of the main gig. They had they had a bouncer like when the gig went over, a bouncer just got up on stage and he went, "You," just like pointing in the audience, "You, you," and just all these girls just and just added, and they all came back. So there was about I don't know like twenty thirty girls like just stunning ladies, and I was just here watching Axl Rose video, you know, being cameraman like taping him right right up close. So that was a very bizarre 
<laughs> bizarre and interesting experience. That's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of documentaries, one of the guys on my soccer team, just his documentary just showed was on the um, ESPN 30 for 30. Have you seen those? Oh, no. So ESPN has a series, series of documentaries that are, you know, based on some type of sports person or event or something. And um, they're amazing. They're they're just some of the best uh, documentaries I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh guy on my soccer team, he's uh, he does documentary films. He used to work for Current TV. And uh, he just did one called The Opposition, which was about the Chilean national team when there was the coup. And I, I guess it was Allende was forced out and by a military coup. It was actually U.S.-backed military coup. coup no surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were – they had the soccer stadium – was actually turned into a prison. They were like locking people in these sort of basement. Yeah. There th- tens of thousands of people or something like that and being beaten and tortured and all this kind of stuff. And the Chilean national team near it, and they had actually, there was like during World Cup qualifiers and, the, and the, they were supposed to play the Russian team, but the Russian team refused to come to Chile, wow. Chile and, and play. So anyway, so he did, um, that was pretty, it was pretty cool watch, you know, seeing your, you know, like your buddy just made this. That is this cool. This documentary, so. Um, that is cool. So, um, I want to tell you a cool thing that we did at Digidoo. Um, so Matt did a presentation and, uh, we set it up that, so he was talking, I can't remember what it was like an ed tech presentation. There was a lot of VCs in the room, maybe talking to 70, 70 people or something like that. He had like 10 minutes to do his presentation. It was like stacked presentations where each person would give a 10 minute presentation. So he was like one of a few. So he really wanted to kind of make an impact. So what we did was we set up this scenario where, he said to them, okay, everyone go to this address, digidoo.com slash whatever. I think it was uh, April 21 or whatever. And so everyone who went there, it instantly gave him a form. And, it's, and he said, okay, you're now going to join my classroom. So basically they all just went there, typed in their name, and then he had control over their tablets. So he was kind of guiding them through pages. He was freezing their screens. And instead of doing the presentation via the PowerPoint screen, he did the presentation via their cell, their cell phone. Cool. So it worked. It was really nice. And, you know, we got a lot of great uh, feedback from it's that. It was all Node.js. It was all, yeah, it was all Node. Yeah, it was great. So, he, so he, you know, he would, he would start on the first page and he'd talk about that and he'd say, you know, so watch a video. And then he, and then he pressed the free screen thing and it, it kind of puts up a thing. It says, teachers talking, please pay, you know, please pay attention. And they're all like, you know, yeah. everyone in the audience was, uh, their, their thing was frozen. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. That's great. Using, using Node.js. So I thought that was pretty cool. So y- you've become... Um a Node.js demon? Yeah, you've been excited about it. You've been working with it a lot lately. Well, right? you know, I, I mean, Udi um, and the team have done most of that stuff, but... Uh, I well, mean, I would first, as a member of the community, to welcome you to the party. Oh, thanks. It's only about four years late, but uh, <laughs> glad you're here. Glad you showed up. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I, re- I do really like the technology. It's very, very nice. Very, are you, very are you light. using uh, Express? Uh, you, no, 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 no. I'm just, I, I'm not using a framework other than Socket.io. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, that Socket.io with Node.js is just such a powerful combination. Yeah. Right, that right there can can facilitate such cool real-time interactivity. It's just nice. It's just, it's, it's just nice. It's light. It's great the way that Socket.io reconnects. You can just do stuff. It makes you think about, you know, web apps in a little bit of a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was cool. Um, so I guess the rest of the news with Digidoo is it's going great. Um, you know, we're in like 45 schools at this stage and yeah, it's going good. It's very good. Um, just wanted to, cause you, I want to pre- <laughs> preempt you saying what's going on with Digidoo. That's, that was some good that's stuff. That's going to Yeah. So let's get back to you. I know you've got a lot to talk about. So, um, 
Oh, geez. Let's talk about all the craziness, the other crazy stuff that's been happening in your life. So, oh, that, man, I got, I got so much stuff. I'm just going to try to make sure I don't forget it because I don't, I didn't really write all of it down. But, uh, well, what about Catalyst? What about Catalyst? Okay. You want to go down that road already? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, well, okay. So, first of all, um, you know, so we had, so this is the second year. I've been doing it two school years. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that we'll have to do about two more sessions and then call it quits for the year. Um, okay. I don't think I want to do all of May. It just gets hot. And I honestly, I'm it's just already like, super hot right now. It's yeah. hot. And I'm just uh, looking for a break. I'm just kind of burned out in general. Yeah. And uh, I think um, maybe we have one more and then the last one we'll do kind of like ice cream party or something like that okay. for the kids or pizza. I don't know, something. I'll bring out, I'll bring out that cash that they earned. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, so, but I was contacted by a guy. Well, actually, it was a warm intro email from, um, oh, geez, what's this? Um, blanking on his name. Um, Eric Dreyer, who runs the STEM program for Pasadena Education Foundation. So, they created the App Academy in the Pasadena High School, which, you know, kids are learning how to write code and build apps in fact their mm-hmm. ninth grade team a team from their ninth uh, a, a team of their ninth graders was in the a hackathon with a bunch of adults at innovate pasadena and they won mm. which is pretty impressive right yeah that's cool so um and actually my buddy isaac was a judge so he was like dude it was it was legit it's like it wasn't just like oh here let's give it the win for the to the ninth, ninth graders that was they won so anyway Eric, who I've hung out with a few times, and uh, he he sent this email, say, "Hey, listen, Jason, there's this uh, Michael. Michael is um, trying wants to create a business, sort of similar to what you guys have been doing with Catalyst." And I, he's yeah. like, he wants to talk to you and ask some questions. I'm like, sure. So I said, "Michael, I'm be happy to tell you everything that we've tried and what works and what doesn't work, and what I think would be the solution, and et cetera, et cetera." And so we went to lunch, and um, this is probably three weeks ago. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, yeah, I guess maybe it was three weeks ago. And I said, and so I, we spent a couple hours and I just talked through everything and everything that we've done and whatever. And I said, uh, and towards the end, he's like, he's like, you know, I, I really, just, I was just, I wanted to talk to you because it sounded like you might have some good, some really relevant experience. It'd be interesting to hear what you've, what you've learned and things like that. And I, he's like, but I also am looking for a technical co-founder and I think you are the guy. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and so he, this guy, Michael was the, one of the co-founders of MySimon, which mm-hmm. it was a product search engine that was sold to CNET back in like 2000, 2001. So it was right during the height of the bubble. Had a $700 million exit, if I remember. Mm-hmm. You don't. I told you that. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, but please don't blurt anything out because I don't. I, I you may or may not know what's confidential, and what's not. Right. So okay. let me drive okay. this. I you know. Was that confidential? Probably not. But I'm just saying. Just okay. I won't say anything else. Uh, and um, so he's like, listen, I I'm doing this out of Idea Lab, which with you know with Bill Gross. Like he he's friends with Bill Gross or where I worked or, for nine months. Yeah. Well, you you worked for months. Uber Media, which was an yeah. Idea Lab company, right? Yeah. You did consulting for them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and uh, yeah, and that's right. Yeah. Right in the center of old town. It's really cool space. And, uh, I, you know, of course, um, Bill Gross is kind of a legend and I, you know, idea lab is sort of like Y Combinator 1.0. Yeah. So we're 
Why, YC is what they call an accelerator, I think is the term now. So they give you a little bit of money and give you, and you access to mentors and you get some certain amount of guidance and stuff. But then, then you have this sort of halo effect after you come out and you get, makes it very easy to raise money or sh- theoretically makes it easy to raise money. Although I guess you'd say looking at YC, it's proven that it's much easier to raise money. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I hear now that generally speaking, YC expects you to close your A round in two weeks. So, ba- so it's, so they, they don't want YC, uh, VCs dicking around with their companies. So if these, these VCs want access, ready access to these companies, they better not scroll around and drag out these, these, com- these talks. And so they have pretty standardized terms for all companies. And they're like, look, if you want a piece, you know, these companies. So which that works out to great advantage for these companies because, you know, you're usually talking about people who don't have a lot of experience dealing with VCs and term sheets and, and, and uh, you know, so there's easy for it would be easier for them to get screwed on you know terms yeah oh and not only that but waste a lot of time raising money as opposed to working on the product and, and getting customers all right but we were talking about idea lab I am okay so that's why <laughs> okay so um so we so he invites me in and we go he's like hey could you stop by idea lab a couple of days and just talk some more I'm like oh sure why not you know and uh, so we go and we spend a couple hours and he starts throwing out some numbers and. You know, I, I can't give any particular numbers, but I'm like, they were high for like a your CTO of your first co- of a, a you know your CTO would might you know you know who who you might bring in after your seed round or a round or something, and those are there was high numbers. And he's like, but he's like, you look, I would get here, but I'll give you like twice that amount because I really think you know I really would like you to to do this. I think you're a perfect fit and all that. And and I, I was like, well, so part. And again, the re- reason I get paused is because Idea Lab, and I, I can't give up the exact number, but they take a big chunk of the company. Right. You know, YC takes seven percent. See, it's many multiples of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they take a lot. Yeah, and they, that's not just that one deal. They've always like I've that's heard it. a few different deals, and it's always that like a large chunk of the company. They take a large yeah. chunk, not a majority, but a large chunk. And um, I was like, you know. I, I was like, you know, I, see, the problem is, is that if I was going to do something, I would, is this early? You know, it's just, at this point, it's just primordial soup. You know, it's just a spreadsheet, some ideas, some handshake. I mean, it's not a company yet. So if I was coming in this early, like, I'm a partner. Hmm. I'm an equal partner. I'm not a hire. I'm not an early employee with equity. Um, but I was like, you know, but the amount of equity that I could even get based on what Idealab takes is just not great. And especially considering, you know, the idea of rolling out all of these uh, coding schools. So what they want to do is have like a, you know, like a Sylvan Learning Sylvan Sylvan Learning Center type thing, where except it's for programming, which is exactly what I'd been talked I talked about it for about Catalyst, right? It's like the professionalization of Catalyst of what we've been doing, and you know, we a lot of the stuff that we've learned would go into that. Like for example, have structure. <laughs> yeah, well, the, yeah, you have, have lessons. Pre- you yeah, know, which I did for a while. Yeah, I mean, I did I did the first half of this year, but it takes a lot of work mm-hmm. to come up with structured lessons and examples and challenges and stuff. But then even recorded screencasts and yeah, in that kind of things and kind of Code Academy style like programming challenges that automatically get checked and all that kind of great stuff. And um, so that's that's going to be a capital intensive business, you know, because you're opening up locations. You know, mm-hmm. and every time you open a vacation, it's expensive and getting leases and permits and getting the place decked out and buying computers and hiring people. It's just, it's just really, uh, it's, it's, 
which means it could take a lot of funding. And so when you have to take a lot of funding, it's going to come in multiple rounds, which means there's going to be a lot of dilution. Yeah. So if you're not starting out with a whole bunch of equity after a few rounds, you're going to have a pretty paltry. No, I think that's a very good right. assessment of that business. Yeah. So Michael is obviously, he's a successful entrepreneur, smart guy, nice guy, you know, but the equity situation was just not, I, I didn't like the deal structure. Right. I, know. I was like, you know, it's, it's fundamentally flawed. Like you really, I like, you know, I was telling him, I was like, look, if you and I were doing this together with our reputations and connections and, and backgrounds, it, I would think we'd at least get a couple multiples of this of the valuation, valuation of this valuation that, of, of that idea lab had given it right yeah, yeah like i don't i don't get it i really don't get it and, yep. and i don't believe in the smart money concept i, don't, I think there's either <laughs> there's dumb money where there's people who are a pain to take money from because they don't know anything that's going on and they're constantly butting in and then there's smart money which just gives you the money and basically stays out your way and if you need something from them they can help you but generally speaking there's just there's just money right and so i um but even more than that, I was like, look, I think as I have Uber still, you know, I still have an, I still have over a year uh, before I'm fully vested and I am not going to screw that up, you know, and I have a chunk of time that I need to allocate to them every day or every week. So it would have to be around that. And I just think this kind of thing is just, it's not a small thing. It would just take a ton of my time. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if we said, okay, well, and he was willing to say, he's like, look, I know for the next year or so you're going to have to split your time or whatever, but you know, I'm, but I have saving that. I, even that I was like, it's just not really going to be possible. So did you just kind of part ways then? Well, I just sent the email to him this afternoon. <laughs> I just said I had to make, I had to finally send, I, you know, cause we had an, I, I had an initial email where I said that I, you know, I wasn't interested because of the, the deal structure and all that stuff. And then he asked me to come into idea lab and we spent two hours on Friday talking through stuff. And, you know, he was understanding of the, the points I raised, Yeah, you know, about the day. He's like, yeah, I, I get it. That makes sense. And, but he was going to have to go in and like probably renegotiate with Bill Gross. Mm. And which I said, look, you and I as a team are a different story than just you. I think that warrants a different valuation. That's a different structure. The, the, nothing's happened. The company doesn't exist. So it's not like the deal's even set. You can say, look, so, it's just not me. It's me and Jason. So it would, it would make sense that Bill Gross and Idea Lab might reconsider and say, okay, let's make a slightly different. So when you sent the email this afternoon, did you cut ties or did you? S- yeah. This, so we had this talk on Friday. Yeah. And we talked through that and he's like, okay, well, you know, let me, uh, let me think about it. And, you know, cause you know, it was, like I said, it's, it's like nobody wants to go back and like renegotiate a deal. All right. Especially someone they like and somebody like Bill Gross. So he's like, I could tell he's like not really crazy about that. But at the same time, because I said, because my initially, I said, look, I told him why I was interested. I said, but if you think I'm a must have as opposed to a nice to have, then I'd say you go and talk with the bill and see if you can come up with a different deal structure. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, can you come in and talk? And so we like, we had that long conversation. <clears throat> and, um, but then this weekend I was thinking about it and I'm just like, you know, every time I think about doing this, it just makes me exhausted. <laughs> just the idea just not what you want to do uh, open up locations and training people and te- having to teach a bunch of classes and i don't it just sounds exhausting and, and, and it's bad and you've kind of left him in a situation where he's thinking okay i've got to go and talk to bill gross about re- re- doing reevaluation you're thinking oh i don't want him to do that because i actually i know i'm not going to probably do this so i should tell him don't you know don't worry about that just that's just go your own path right that's what i said i said look i you know <laughs> Because I said, you know, I said, look, even if you couldn't renegotiate it, I still don't think you could structure in a way that I would really be comfortable with it. I just don't, based on the kind of number you got the first time, like that's so far away to what I think is yeah. a good yeah. number that 
it's just it's just it's just a it's a really bad anchor. And so, right. but anyway, so I sent an email. I, I you know I had like my nine reasons why. And a lot of it was just like, look, <sighs> you know, I I have a really nice life. I don't want to screw it up. But you're worried that this is your your next Uber, aren't you? You're worried that this is your, oh, no, I turned down CTO of Uber again. Oh, yeah. You know, you miss, you miss one. I was funny. I was talking to my buddy, uh, Doug, about that. And he's like, you know what? That's a really high bar. High bar. Like, I that, that is, yeah. I really. It's unlikely. Yeah, it's you know. unlikely. Yeah. Um, yeah but, but the other thing was is that, you know, I have a nice life. I have control of my day. I can do what I want. Working is really nice working with Uber. Uber's a golden goose. It's going to come through. I don't want to screw that it's up. It's going to come through. It is. I don't want to screw that up, right? Um, and I, you know, it's 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 like I'm a consultant for Uber, so I can work on other things I want, but I have to make sure I have enough time to get done what I need to get done for Uber, right? So I can't get involved in something that's like this scale where it's like there's locations opening up and training people and hiring people it's gonna be it was just i was like i just yeah you know and i just it just made me tired thinking about it and after catalyst you know all the lessons we've learned about what works and what doesn't how you really have to get things just right to work and if they don't things fall apart pretty quickly with kids Mm -hmm. and i just started thinking this is this is just more work than i want to do right now and and i I don't want to screw things up you know with like i said with uber with my with the way my life is like this just (laughs) You know. All right, well, I've got a story for you. Yeah. So, um, so you know I'm having a baby. We're having a well, baby. Well, Georgie is. You're Georgie's not. having a baby. <laughs> uh, a boy. And okay. we know it's a boy, and uh, he's going to be called Jack. Jack Vincent. You had talked about that? I don't know if I've spoken about that on the show. Okay. I don't think I, don't think okay. I have, no. Yeah. I, I, have, I have said that we're having a baby, but I don't think I said it was Jack going to be Jack Vincent. It's funny how you talk about the name a lot. Usually people with a baby, they just talk about the baby. You keep saying Jack. Because I, I love, really I, I just love the name. Really excited yeah, yeah. I, I'm very excited about okay. it. It's so, good. I mean, if you didn't like the name, that'd be bad. So, you know, um, it kind of made me think, oh, well, so there's, there's another piece of information to this story, which I didn't tell. Georgie always says I'm the worst storyteller in the world because I get things in the wrong order. Mm-hmm. But um, sold, I sold plug here. Right. Yeah. Congratulations. So, how much? Ninety thousand. Now, does that include the fees that go to the broker? I, well, I sold Plugier for ninety thousand. I don't get ninety thousand. There's a fifteen percent fee to the broker. Okay. And um, the way the deal split up is seventy-five thousand sale up front, of which fifteen percent goes to the broker. Twelve goes to the broker. And then there's another fifteen thousand paid. Over ten months, fifteen hundred a month, of which every month fifteen percent goes to the broker. Wow! Yeah. So they make twelve percent plus fifteen percent. No, on- no, no. They make fifteen percent across the board. Fifteen percent of ninety thousand total. It's just when yeah. it gets paid out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so that so that deal is done. Which is, is this the same broker you worked with initially? Yeah, Ryan. Sorensen. So he actually came through for you. Yeah, he. I mean, this he worked hard for the last year. He has been like. He has been pushing Plugio. He's been finding, you know, finding uh, the right buyer for it. He found a great buyer for it. So he's, you'd recommend him, huh? Oh, totally. Yeah. If you have a, if you have a SaaS app or, or an app that's doing something, he's, he's a great guy or, or even software, you know, and they, he has like a list of like 350 people who just buy this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and do stuff with it. So they're kind of like, you know how Rob does it? Like he's a micropreneur. I think that a lot of these people are like, the next step up where they will spend 90,000 and then they, they think they're going to turn it into, mm-hmm. you know, a five X mm-hmm. of that. Um, so anyway, so that, so that kind of 10 hours a week is free. That's, that's kind of what this comes. So first of all, 
the revenue is not coming in from Plugio, you know, the 3,000, mm -hmm. obviously because it's sold. And there's a free 10 hours a week, you know, because I'm not doing a side project anymore. Right? Okay. And well, only question. 30, I thought I was making 3,500. Was it down to 3,000? It kind of, it did go down a bit, yeah. Okay. It went down to about 3,000. So, so, and by the way, just so the final numbers in, um, it it made a grand total, like, not over not, lifetime not, of plug not net but just the kind of the grand total revenue which i think is a good a good figure anyway to about two hundred twenty-five thousand yeah revenue of which you know i mean that so there's i obviously got less than that with 15 percent for the broker and you know there's a couple of affiliate fees and maybe server costs of like 300 bucks a month but it's not well, far then, off that well then you were paying sarah for a long time yeah that's that true. was a big cost that's that's true my yeah yeah. alimony for my friend okay <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so anyway that's a, that's a totally different issue anyway the point is is that i started exploring and experimenting with new product ideas oh your previous one skyboard so skyboard was one I, I kind of had another look at that you had a madness about that for about three weeks or a month so Sky, so, i couldn't so, talk to you without so, skyboard coming <laughs> coming out of the first so thing. basically uh, so skyboard um and i definitely have mentioned it over the last two years but this it's gone through a few different incarnations but this most recent incarnation was the idea of kind of brainstorming and decision making so basically you would come up with a question and you'd enter it and it would create a kind of encrypted url like a standalone private url in the same way as pastebin has a url right and then you could send that out to whoever you wanted customers or mm -hmm. friends and brainstorm something and it would it would have some brainstorm process anyway i built that i built a certain portion of that out and i showed it to a few people and everyone said it's it's cool it looks amazing but like why would i pay for that right <laughs> so especially because the, you approach the problem backwards especially the microconf people like especially i was out drinking with two people who just come back from microconf and you know what you know the way it is microconf it's just like oh it's all about practical why would i pay for that you know well yeah well they're it's really reality bound they were really it's not that just mindset. like well you just build something neat and then yeah, you figure it out they're yeah. like who is gonna buy this and how much they gonna pay for it and so they why? did that and um they, and they shot your dream. They, 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 they really shot it. it down. They took it out and back and shot it. So it kind of annoyed me, uh, but at the same time, <laughs> it kind of made me think, okay, let me reevaluate, you know, what, what's a good thing to do. So, so I came up with this other idea, which, uh, was, which I prototyped and tested, and I thought that was kind of cool. So I sent it off to Rob Walling to get mm -hmm. some idea validation. Mm -hmm. And um, Rob said, well, you know what? That's good. It is not a bad idea, but you've got some pretty strong competition. This person, this person, this person. And you've got Joanna uh, and Weeb, Weeb and Lance Jones, who, of course, were any few experts. And friends. And friends. So I'm like... And, well, Joanna was a speaker at MicroConf. Speaker at MicroConf. And she's also going to be speaking at Business of Software. So I, I still, I kind of, my first gut reaction was like, okay, I don't want to really go into competition with them. But I really do like this idea because I think that I could do it justice within the kind of 10 hours a week that I have. Um, so the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to do it. And I really appreciated Rob's feedback, but I thought, okay, I'm going to talk to Joanna and Lance. Well, you asked me, you're like, should I call them? Yeah. And you're like, no, I thought like, like, well, you're like, <laughs> should I call them and see about like, how do they feel about me competing with them? And I was like, yeah, like the conversation would be really awkward, you know, but then, but you called them and what happened exactly? What did you start off saying to them? Just show them the product, walk them around the product. And by the end of the discussion, they're like, look, do you want to be our technical co-founder? Just like what happened to you. 
Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah. so now we're, we're working together. We're doing this little kind of side project together. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's especially nice because the tech stuff... For me, you know, like I like I said, I can put in ten hours a week, and it doesn't even feel like work, right? It's it's uh-huh. easy for me, and but for what they do, you know, what Joanna does, like that seems like work, but to her, it doesn't seem like work. So none of us feel like we're doing any work. Which is yeah, great. well, that's one of the keys about partnerships is that you find people who have complementary skill sets. Yeah, and especially in complementary in the way that there are things that need to be done for this particular startup. And that you don't want to do or know how to do or suck at, <laughs> you know, or all usually they're all three the same thing. And, you know, they're not going to build a site. They suck at it. They would have to, like, hire people and outsource what you said they started doing and they wasted a bunch of time and money on right. stuff, right? And you don't want to go out there and spend a lot of time doing marketing stuff. I mean, you begrudgingly did it and experimented with stuff with Plugio, but it wasn't really your favorite. Well, I mean, even what they said, they said, you know, the way that they're going to do the marketing of, of any product that they do is going to be something like, what I've forgotten what his name, Joel, whatever, did with Buffer. It's like, you know, content articles, content, mar- you know, this kind of thought leading. Like, no, I don't want to do that, right? I don't yeah. want to have any piece of that. Like, I want it to happen for the business I'm involved in, but personally, I don't want to do that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, it's that seems like bloody hard work to me. Mm-hmm. But what doesn't seem like hard work is setting up a few servers, you know? Yeah, writing some code. Writing a little bit of code. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's easy. Like, I can do that while I'm asleep. Yeah. In fact, I can code when I'm... When I'm blind drunk i can write good code and i'm not even kidding <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh yeah so so you don't want to talk about the name i don't want to talk uh well i, I uh, we, uh yeah we, i think we can talk about the name because that doesn't really give much away about what the product is oh. so um so the name well we've gone through a lot of different name variants mm-hmm. but I th- we're thinking the name is going to be disco well you call and you told you you would give me a couple and then you and then you you said disco, and I was like, "Yeah, that's a good name." And then later, you said we're going to change it to like Blue, Blue Dot, and then Blue, Blue Giant. I'm like, "No, <laughs> that sucks." Like Green Giant, <laughs> you know. I was like, Look, it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> you know, I was like, "That's not." I mean, it just—I don't know. If we're Blue Giant sounds too much like Green Giant, which is like the vegetable, right. uh, but it's mascot. also like you know, like I, I feel like it. You need to have a good solid center pin to build out from there like you, you know like with like we did with any you know okay or other projects that you've done like vortex or whatever mm-hmm. like i find that once if that kind of core thought about it you know in other words the name yes isn't good it's bloody difficult to move past it it is i think i think that names are a big deal people underrate the importance of names and um i've uh I'm a big believer in names because once I settle in a name that captures the right feel, mm. then I just get a lot more excited about it. Like I can actually see it as a, as a successful product. But if it has kind of a, if the name is just a reach or it's just kind of mediocre and it just, it makes me feel like the whole concept is mediocre, you know? And uh, disco is, is a, is a cute name. It has energy. It's kind of whimsical. It's uh yeah. And I like your, um, I like your, uh, your little logo you've done that that's a great logo i'm not sure i think you should play with different color combinations i mm-hmm. think that orange is is possibility but i think you could yeah, try just, just starting yeah i think you should try a different uh green blue i don't know whatever just you try a different color spectrum but i like that i, yeah, I like so, the, i like the font i like what you've done with the o that's good so um so that's you know that's gonna be and 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 my purpose for it is 
Well, it, it twofold. Firstly, um, you know, in that, sm- I mean, obviously, did you do is like what I'm doing, you know, my 70 or 80 hour week on. And so this, this is the other thing. Like, so you, you just work 70 or 80 hours. A week I work a lot. Yeah, I do. Jesus. So, so the, so the question is, you know, do I have like an extra, any extra time? I do. I, I, I can do, I would have like 10 hours, but the weird thing is even though it's coding, because I'm kind of, I will always like try and stretch a little bit. Like for example, learning a bit of node, mm-hmm. like I did with the skyboard stuff. A bit of node. A bit of node. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I find that that's in a way that's kind of working for Tidge do as well because like I'm stretching myself and then I take that back into the other business mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah you know I think I think there's a problem when you work on one thing and that's it all the time because sometimes you just get your your brain your thoughts become a little stale mm-hmm. a little stagnant and having something else that you can play with I mean that's why play is always important it's yeah, like it's play. Adult, that's what you it need is. Yeah. play. You yeah. need a you need a you need a place you go out and let your mind wander around and just try things and play. And some people play. It's it's hitting the golf links. Others, it's building another writing code. You know, whatever. Yeah. But you just I I because if you feel like you can't do anything if you can't do anything other than your main job you feel trapped you feel confined. Yeah. And I think you start getting uh, I think you're losing productivity and things like that. Now again I've I I tested the bounds the other way. Like what if you do like you know yeah no i would never do what you've done no that would be too much and that's just stupid i've and i've i i made a problem of just saying yes to too many things trying to help too many people and it's just it's just bad i mean not that anyone with any common sense wouldn't have acknowledged realized that immediately i just kind of tried you know again i fell into it by just saying too many people come to me say hey jason can you help me do this or can we hire you to do a little bit of this or need your help and he's all right, fine. I'll do. I'll do this. I'll do that. And the next thing you know, you're like, "Oh my god! Like I have so much crap on my plate. I just can't. I I can't. I can't function. I just. I, you know, I just don't need free time. I'm just blown out, burned out. Well, that's like funny thing is like one of the things I said to Michael about the whole cold world thing. I said, you know, honestly, I am just completely burned out. <laughs> I really, I am really burned out. Like I, You've been working on so I need projects. a year off. Like, you know, but, you know, you're, you know, talking about getting involved in a new project, you want, you want to be completely refreshed and like well, hungry, but I'm not, I'm just like, uh, all right, well, just, just to round that piece out. So I'm excited about it because a of working on the new tech, but also B because of working with Joanna and Lance, like getting to see an insight into their world, their marketing world, you know, like Lance is, a, he's an optimization specialist. I would never do that. You know, mm-hmm. I, but I think it could be great as well. You know, the great learning from them also to bring back to my, my other work. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think a big draw for a project is who you're working with, yeah. or a, not a draw if you're not that enthusiastic about it. I mean, <laughs> you're right. You know, I mean, yeah. You want people here, like we said, who you're complimentary with, but you also want people that you like, you like talking to, you look forward to talking to. Well, we we learned that we weren't good partners. We we had a lot of it. Like we liked each other, we liked talking to each other, but. We just did, weren't complimentary because we chefs, both did the same stuff. two yeah. chefs in the kitchen. Yeah, that's It was just problem. stupid. It was like yeah. both of us wanted to do the same stuff. We were both very opinionated about how to do it. We both <laughs> got in each other's way, and nobody <laughs> wanted to do the stuff that the other half or of the business that was absolutely essential. Right. And, you know, I raised that at the very beginning, but and you were like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And I was like, well, all right. You know, maybe we'll. But then, I, you know, I was like, after all, I'm like, yeah. I, you know, and sometimes, like, you know something you know you something have, to be true, but you really have to learn it the wrong way. You're like, all right, I'm never doing that again. You really have to learn I, it again. I, yeah. I, okay, there's just zero chance I will ever do that again because I have learned that, you know, 
it's permanently seared into my brain at this point. All right. So, um, is there any other news on your? Well, there's, well, there's all kind of stuff. I'm so, sure, you're so, always these leading questions. Like, you know, like, well, what about, can you tell me about, I I mean, got can, other can, stuff. can you talk I, about your I, last I, trip down to San Francisco, for example? First of all, it's up. It's not down. Oh, but I got other stuff. Sake. I got other stuff. I got other stuff. So you can't talk about it or you can't? I can, but I'm going to talk about something else first. All right, sure. So, um, I was about three weeks ago. I was contact. Okay. So <laughs> three weeks ago, I'm sitting, I'm, I walk in the living room, take a break, talk to Sandy and the phone rings, or home phone rings. I, I never answer the home phone because nine times out of ten, it's a telemarketer. Yeah. Right? And, they, and the other time, other time when it's not a telemarketer, the one out of ten times is not, it's the it's our kid's school calling on the auto call, right? Are you backgrounding? What are you doing? I'm not backgrounding yeah, you. you. I'm just, I'm looking for my next story. Go on. All right. So, um, so I hit the phone. I'm like, hello? Yeah. It's, it, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like, hi, this is Donna Burton from, um, uh, it was like uh, the closing bell with Kelly Evans on CNBC. Um, I want to talk to you about high frequency trading. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> she's like, yeah. She's like, I understand from reading your website that you've actually built high frequency trading systems and uh, the algorithms. And uh, I, you know, I want to talk to you because uh, maybe you may have you noticed. You just coming up top of Google for high frequency trading. At this I do. I, I apparently I do come up very high, <laughs> which strangely just from one blog post. That just shows you. Sometimes you just write the one right blog post. <laughs> well, you know, it's, that's it, crazy. You just—I mean, I've written—I've only written like four or five blog posts, period. But like three of them, I've been like complete barn burners. So it's funny. Like a lot of people, they write lots. They like write every day, and uh, and they like you know their idea is like, well, I'm just gonna if I just write and write a lot, eventually I'll get some eyeballs or some. But I'm like. Just wait until you have such a great story that it sort of sells itself, right? Mm -hmm. Like something that's like I knew when I, the, you know, I, the one about how I screwed up my Google acquisition. I mean, I knew that was, you know, I was like, that was like Babe Ruth pointing to left field. I'm like, this is going all the way. <laughs> People <laughs> loved rubberneck, you know. But anyway, so the one about the trading, um, my trading stuff went really, went really high as well, got all, went over the place. So yeah, when you type in like, algorithmic trading or algorithmic trading in startups. I mean, like it is right up top. Yeah. So she kind of, so basically the thing was, is she says, you know, Michael Lewis, who wrote Moneyball and uh, I think the big short and a bunch of other, you know, um, other well-known books. Um, he wrote a new book called flash boys, which is about high frequency trading in, in part. And he's basically saying that wall street is rigged and he's pointing the finger partially at high frequency trading. Um, and so there's a big controversy in, ensues and so he michael lewis is on like <laughs> like every business show cnbc fox news business bloomberg he's on john stewart basically hawking his book telling his story and so though and mark cuban came out and he's also like a big like anti-high frequency trading guy and so she's like okay would you be willing are you free in the middle of the week could you come on cnbc and you know Talk be, about be Mark Cuban's punching bag. Well, yeah, she said so. Mark, <laughs> she, yeah, and so she said, um, yeah, and she's like, yeah, and you get on and, and and basically debate it with Mark Cuban. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I get off the phone and Sandy's like, who is that? They're like, oh, CNBC. They want me to come on and debate Mark Cuban. She's like, what? <laughs> you know? And uh, and so, um, it, which was really funny because 
my a buddy of mine who's in the Huffington trading world, he had just the day before did a warm intro with this other guy who's he runs some company that invests in a bunch of these trading firms and brokerages. And this guy's pretty, you know, I don't know, big time guy. And, and he's like, you should meet Jason. And he jokingly said, Jason's like the blonde version of the most interesting man in the world or something <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, okay. I wish that were true. And then the next day, I, that's when I reply back to the email. I'm like, so CNBC wants me to come on to be Mark Cuban. <laughs> and Ken's like, that's what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> only half is adjacent. So how did the debate go? So, well, anyway, so this is what happened. So she's like, okay, well, I'll get back to you. Then, then Wednesday came and uh, we talked and she's like, um, she's like, so Mark, can't do it till next week because uh, he has, he's going to be traveling with the Mavs because he owns the Dallas Mavericks. And she, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, and, and he, he, and he really wanted to be on with me, me being a representative of the kind of, obviously he doesn't know me personally, but he wanted to debate someone who actually built the systems and designed the algorithms, not some talking head who was, who didn't really do it. And so I'm like, okay, fine. Um, and so then it gets to like Monday or Tuesday and I don't hear from her. And um, in the meantime, though, I talked to – yeah, so I talked to um, uh, this this one guy I mentioned. He, I, I'm blinking on his name. And uh, I said, so, you know, after I said the CNBC wants to have me on it. And he's like, whoa, okay, listen, I have a couple guys I need you to talk to. They're like the CEOs of the of the – couple of the biggest high frequency trading firms in the world. And I think you should hear their perspective on things. I said, listen, I'd like to hear everybody's side. I said, you know, I haven't been in the game for three or four years. And so I want to make sure everything that I knew to be true then is still true. And if there are, piece, there are aspects of things that are going on, I need to know what everybody thinks. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do my own research, but I'd love to hear their perspective on things. If, if I'm going to go and be the, you know, the spokesman for the high frequency trading world, then I should, you know, get get a little up to date um so he ends up having um well he says uh mark mark Groton is his name um who's the the founder and basically the majority owner whatever the guy runs tower research which is like one of the it's just like the top high registration firm in the world and uh so he's like you know he's wondering if he could go on with you or you can, maybe if you don't want to do it he would do it for you you know and i'm like like, I don't care. It's like, the producer wanted me on. If you want to come on my place, I personally don't care. I think, to me, this is just work. You know, yeah. I got to spend 10 to 15 hours reading everything Mark Cuban's r- written on the subject, everything that Mike, I got to read Michael Lewis's book. I got to read all the articles back and forth. So I make sure what everybody thinks they're saying and everybody's wrong. Cause, but basically, most of the things you're saying, saying is just, is actually fundamentally wrong. It's actually high frequency trading which means people having the ability to put in lots of orders very fast. What it does is it reduces the best spread so that you or I as retail investors can put in a, an order for something and we pay one cent bid ask spread or maybe two or three tops between the bid and the offer. Whereas 15 years ago, you could have paid five to 10 times that amount. And not only that to put in an order before all this automated stuff came in. I mean, it would could take minutes to get filled. You just get screwed by the special. So it was terrible. It was expensive. It was slow. And uh, the only people who are unhappy about it are like the big banks and stuff that have to, they're competing against them and they feel like that they're, you know, losing a little bit of money here and there on the trading. And I'm like, so it's not like it's the billionaires versus the centimillionaires. It's not the high frequency traders versus the retail traders. We right. benefit from this. You know, everyone 
you know, who's running around in normal pool. Oh, I think I'm going to go buy 500 shares of this company that, that you want. So what was the upshot? Did the other guy go and interview? Yeah, Mark no, he didn't. So he calls me up and we, we talked for like, I don't know, half hour, an hour or something like interesting guy, this uh, Mark Rotten. Um, and what was funny is, so we start talking about this and I made a comment. I said, you know, what's interesting is they're looking at this red herring of high frequency trading as being like this, making people feel that something is they're being mistreated in the marketplace that there's some sort of corruption i'm like that is not where people are being screwed i mean there are places in wall street where there is real corruption and people are really getting screwed and it's it's sort of working against the public to be focusing on something like high frequency trading which is actually to their advantage and i said you know they should be there's places in government and there are places in wall street that is this massive you know, uh, corruption. And he's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. And then he starts talking about a couple of things and, uh, we start, start talking about NSA stuff and see, yeah, he starts, you know, and he starts really going. And I said, you know, I said, the problem with, with some of this stuff is that it's difficult because there are things that are true that are proven in the mainstream is covered in the mainstream press and proven that a lot of people don't, aren't still quite aware of, but that are, that are fact. Then there are things that are most likely true that have not quite been proven in the uh, in the mainstream press. And the problem is, is if you talk about that, it gets thrown into this area of like, well, there's speculation or it's conspiracy theory or whatever. And, but the problem is as soon as you enter that world, then there is a whole spectrum of things that is so just much speculative. Of craziness, yeah. Well, it's just speculative. Well, I say we, we use the word crazy, but it's just speculative. It's oversimplified, it's misunderstanding, it's misattribution. And then you get all the far away and then down the down the rabbit hole, and then it's just complete BS, you know. But you know, I said so it's frustrating because there's a lot of stuff that's right there near it's mostly it's 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 there's a lot of um which is so like indirect evidence that sh- that points to it being true circumstantial evidence but people are afraid to actually say that's true because it hasn't been proven at degree and people who view their credibility hold their credibility important or be like well i can't really say that and he's like yeah but a lot of that stuff is true all of it's true i'm like really <laughs> 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 so he's like let me forge you a couple of articles uh, here. Let me send you a couple of things that I wrote. So he wrote a couple of things and he, and, and, and I just glanced at them and they were like 30 page PDFs or something, or 15 page word docs or something. And it was talking, it went in like, you know, it was talking certain things about CIA and, you know, Robert Kennedy's assassination and JFK and all stuff. I just looked at like the subtitles and I was like, well, I said, I want to read this. <laughs> I mean, interesting what this guy's because he's known. I mean, this guy is known to be just super bright guy. Yeah, I mean, PhD in physics from XYZ and built this billion dollar, you know, high trading firm. I mean, this guy is not a dummy. And he should so publish I'm like, that. I'll be interesting what he said. What he should publish it. Funny you should say that. Uh. <laughs> so he sends these. He sends me two art. Two, I think it was two, um, two different uh, articles he'd written. And they were kind of titled to friends and family or something, or to friends and loved ones or something like that, family and loved ones or something like that. So this is just something he was sent people that he close to people. Like, these are my thoughts on all stuff. I, he's like, yeah, because he's like, I've been researching stuff for years, and I'm just kind of putting all my thoughts together, and this is. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll be rich to read. The next day, Gawker comes out with an article called the, it was like, it was something like the outrageous conspiracy theories of Mark Rotten. I was like, holy shit, he's going to think I sent those to Gawker, right? Oh, yeah. I never met him. We just talked the day before. He sends me the articles, 
I'm like an internet guy, right? I do like internet stuff, <laughs> right? I have, well, who would you suspect? You. Right. So I'm like, oh, come on. So did you spend him an email? So, well, no, what I did is I looked at it and I sent an email to the guy who introduced me to Mark Rotten. And I said, I said, look, I just saw this thing on Gogger. I did send this thing, obviously. I said, but he's going to think I did. And, and I said, this sucks, right? Because I was like, you know, I, you know, I said, I, I am interested to read them, but I certainly didn't send them to Gawker. And then, um, because Gawker is kind of ridiculing him a little bit, you know? And but they're saying, look, Mark Rotten is known to be brilliant on Wall Street. He's known to be this brilliant guy, but these are crazy. Did they find out who sent it? Well, no. Then when I looked, I, then I, then I, then after I wrote that email to him, I, I, I went through, read the article more carefully, and there were three articles. I, he never sent me the third. And I'm like, I'm free. <laughs> I'm in the clear. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he never great. said that to me. So seven is a good possibility for me. So he's like, he said, no, no, you're fine. He knows it wasn't you. He knows who sent it. Or he's wow. a pretty good idea. I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Well, see, he wasn't even really, I don't think he really cared that much. He was a little irritated because, but, uh, you know. It's just putting it out there, you know. Yeah. So I was just, uh, but that was a crazy thing to happen, right? I mean, so CNBC calls and Mark Roddick's, I mean, like, <laughs> my life is so strange. That is I funny. can't tell, I, I have like a Forrest Gump life. You, you know, do. I just end up and all cross between Forrest Gump and the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Well, so anyway, the, the next week comes and I never get a call back from um, from uh, Donna Burton, the producer. Yeah. And I noticed that the uh, the story had kind of died. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's very, it very much has to be within the kind of week time frame. Exactly. Because I think Michael Lewis had just done the circuit to promote his book. And then I think people got tired of talking about it. Yeah. And the other day people don't care. didn't care that much. And, um, it was, the story was kind of over. And I think I saw that Mark Cuban had written, uh, his own little piece on it. And I think maybe he had kind of had his say, he kind of wrote his, you know, his thing is, I think his art, his, his website is called blog Maverick or something. So he wrote his thousand word treatise on, on it. And I think he kind of got out of the system. So he probably wasn't pushing it. And then the financial press was probably like, ah, the story's died. Let's move on to the next thing. And I was actually, you know what? It's good enough for me because I was saving me a lot of work. And it's like, it, you know, what you was going to really get anything that much out of it, except for the only thing you're going to get out of it is more bloody lock surface area, more people contacting you about high frequency trading, which you basically don't want to do anyway. Right. No, I don't want to get involved in that stuff. I'm out of that world. All, all it amounts to me is just, hey, Jason, remember that time you were on CNBC? That was weird. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, it would just be a story. But the fact that it was almost happened was story enough. Good enough. Close enough. It's like the 80-20. I got 80%. I got a funny story. <laughs> got Agreed. Meg Gork Rotten. Got this whole crazy stuff. Good enough. I'm out. But I mean, that was just weird. So weird. So, so tell us about San Francisco. Okay, geez. Well, let's get on something else. Listen, you are well, so anxious to talk about that. Why, why are you? Well, so, because you're it's just cool. If that's cool, that's a cool story. And okay. Uh, 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 all right. Mean, all right. All right. Um, that's the story that you people have been waiting for. You just don't know you've been waiting for because it's very relevant to our our space and our all right, our stuff. All right. All right. There's so much stuff to talk about other than this that. But okay. Um. So um. You remember you remember me mentioning Lola Meekroot. Who was the yeah, she was the co she she had founded a company called Meekroot. Yeah. And I met her at a Upverter hackathon, which is Upverter is like uh electronic circuit design 
in the web, on the web, right? It was kind of like AutoCAD in your browser yeah. for circuits. So YC company, we interviewed Zach, uh, the found, one of the co-founders on the show, and I had talked to him afterwards and I said, hey, listen, um, I can't, he was talking about having a hackathon at some time, at some point, and I said, listen, if you have one, let me know if I'm over in San Francisco. This is the, build, the size to build like circuit boards and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so there was one scheduled and this, I think it was like February of 2013, so a little over a year ago. Um, I think that was when it, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's when it was. So it was one of those, so I extended my normal trip from a Friday night to Saturday night and I said, I'll go out, I'll drive down, I'll stay in a hotel out in Mountain View and then I'll spend the day at Y Combinator, which is where it was being held and I'll do this thing. So I go up there and I end up spend the morning going through a bunch of Arduino tutorials because the guy team I was on, they were all experts. And so they were just kind of like, Hey, do this tutorial. This will mm-hmm. be good. And so I, after about a half a day, I was just, I was already blown out from Uber for four days, three days at Uber. So by the middle of the day, I was literally taking a nap sprawled out on the couch in the lobby of Y Combinator. <laughs> I like sleeping out there. People are walking around like, who is that asshole? <laughs> I was like, I do it. But I was so tired. And I was calling Sandy like, I just want to fly home now. And she's like, oh, I think you should just stay. And like, All right. So anyway, that's where I met Lola. We, she, she was sitting there. She was dating Zach at the time. And so she was there just to kind of support him. So the she was kind of sitting near where our group was. And so I just started joking around with her and we just spent like the next, the rest of half the day, just joking around and talking and talking startups and stuff. And, um, that's how I learned about me and everything. But I've told this story back a while back, yeah. but I just want to give like some context. Yeah. So, um, me she, the, the, to sum up me by the time we talked and everything, she had run out of time, run out of money, run out of energy for it. You know, I tried to help her, kind of resuscitate a little bit and come up with like a micro version of it and just get a little traction, get something out. But she just was literally out of cash. Yeah. Like she just really needed to get a job. And so, you know, I would, I would like set up a server. I would put up a web, you know, get a couple of things set up and then I wouldn't hear from her for a couple of days. And then a few days, like she'd kind of go dark on me and, and I could tell like she just didn't have it. And so I was like, that's fine. Like I get it. You should get a job. Don't worry about it. Cause she was very apologetic and felt bad. So anyway, she calls me about, I don't know, two months ago and says, hey, Jason, look, I got this idea. Um, I think I think it really has a lot of potential. Um, and she's like, I really feel bad that I, that I, I can't remember the term she used, but that I screwed up the opportunity to work with you. Like, you know, she's like, I just, I, I, I just regret it. And I really wish that that hadn't happened that way. And I'm like, look, no harm, no foul. I like, guess no big deal. I don't, you know, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't a big deal for me. I said, frankly, I had too much going on anyway. So it was like one last thing I got to do. And she's like, well, I have this idea. And it essentially was about sort of injecting emotional intelligence into the enterprise. So essentially companies become quick. Once they get to a certain scale, I don't know if it's when you get 50 employees or hundred or 200, you get to this point where you really don't know how people are feeling about their job. They think it sucks. Are they happy? Are they happy with what they're doing? Is there, you know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. And, you know, when you're small, you kind of know, you go to lunch with people, you talk to people, you kind of get a sense of if, if someone is kind of getting frustrated or bored or whatever. Um, and, but when you get a bigger company, you don't. And, 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 and you know, especially these ones that scale quickly. And, that, and there's a problem because when you lose people, it's extremely expensive replace them right not only does it cost i think they, they estimated like for your average engineer in silicon valley it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars to replace somebody 
that does not include their salary. Hmm. Recruiting costs, loss in productivity, but then also you're talking about the lost momentum and, indu- and, and institutional knowledge. The team's morale usually takes a hit. There's a lot of problems with it, right? So and, when you add that up with all, to, with all the losses, you're talking millions. Well, not millions, but I mean, it's it's a lot, you know. I mean, 150,000 real dollars, and then no, I mean, like of, like if in a hundred person company, if oh. ten people go, oh, I thought you're talking about one person. Yeah, no, yeah, ten, yeah, 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 that's that's a, that's like. Yeah, but it's it's a real problem, and it's very expensive. And I think Gallup came up with some recent thing where they're like a recent poll where they said, you know, um, it's this five hundred billion dollar problem of employee disengagement that the huge number of people in the world just are in the country in their job are just disengaged. They think their job is bullshit. Their manager's an idiot. What they're doing is kind of pointless. You know, mm. they're just collecting a paycheck and doing the list. It's kind of like office space, you know? Yeah. So. She's like, you know, so Lolo is saying, look, I have this background of cognitive psychology. I've done a lot of work in this area. I did some work on this area at Salesforce. I have this idea of how we can solve this problem in the enterprise. In the enterprise, but maybe not going after enterprise, but going after mids, what, what we call the SMB market, yeah. you know, which I think of small companies like 10 people. But she's small companies like, you know, 150 people or something. Yeah. That's a small company. But um, companies where they have this problem, but it's not like a massive um sales cycle and so i'm like well okay well that sounds good uh, and, and she has a background in sales like she's can do the sales and, and everything and i said okay but i'm not going to build anything until you go and validate this you go and what she had described the way to, to solve it to me sound like a very straightforward programming problem like it was you know crud app range you know crud app with you know really slick ui and some other cool things but it wasn't anything it wasn't anything major, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, but I'm still, I'm not going to build anything unless you go validate. If you go and pre-sell this, to say half a dozen to a dozen companies, I don't pre-sell, but just come back and pre-file, they are, like they're really interested. They're really yeah. interested. I said, then I'll build something, but I'm not going to, you know, waste my time. And she's like, okay, fair enough. So she does that, and she's like, has a spreadsheet, and she's emailing me, you know, okay, I got to talk to this person, I talked to this person, I went by Southwest, and she's like, I met with, you know, Dave McClure of you know, 500 startups and he's interested and this person and from this VC and this, I mean, this person from, I mean, just, it was crazy. I couldn't believe how many people she's talking to. And I'm like, okay, well, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> and then she's like, um, and she goes, she's like, so I've talked to a lot of people and I know a lot, I know a lot of people who've been through YC and they're all telling me that we should do YC. Like she's, everybody says you have to do YC, you know, and, because primarily, I mean, there are two primary reasons. One is the uh, halo effect. Yeah. So once you're in YC, you're taken very seriously. You can raise money easily. You can, um, you know, whatever. And you can get into companies more easily. But the network is huge. Like there's, it's the YC mafia. You just put on the on the private YC mailing list. You say, I need to talk to so and so at this company. I need to get in this company. You have four people come back. It's like, oh yeah, I know that guy. He's on my board, or he's a friend of mine, or he's a friend. You know, I'll get you to talk to him. Yeah. So that run itself is incredibly valuable. But I'm like, oh god. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm like, well, look, look, I, you know, I owe a chunk of my time to to Uber, right? Like I, you know, I can't. You know, I can't leave Uber, right? I have is this a, happening at the same time as the conversation with Michael? No, this is before Michael. So this is okay. this is this is a month ago. Michael was really the last couple two and a half weeks. Is this happening at the same time as the conversation with the Dome people? No, that was 
four months ago. So like every ago. month, there's some new fantastic kind of potential for you. I tell people, look, if you <laughs> are, if you don't have an opportunity, anything going on, just come hang out in my office, the Get Bad Cave. Just bring a book, <laughs> lie down on the couch. Something will come within a couple of weeks. Just literally just hang out. There will always be something. I'll be like, I don't have time for it, but this guy right here, he'll take care of you. Well, it's true. That's how I go. Did you do? Right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's... Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm, so, I'm slightly so Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what's just interesting? I'm going to take a little sidetrack. Yeah. So, when I'm talking to Michael, he's like... So, Michael is 52, kind of your Silicon Valley executive type, you know. You say, you know, smart guys, masters in computer science, from you know, just... But, you know, he's kind of what you'd expect, you know. A little different. He's in a different generation than us, right? And he's like... I don't understand. I, I look at your, he's like, I looked at your LinkedIn profile and it's out of date. Like, well, that's really <laughs> important. I'll be, I'm like, yeah, I was like, I don't really use LinkedIn. He's like, but other people, they want to, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't, Michael, I don't tell him, dude, Michael. <laughs> I get so many people calling me and emailing about stuff. The last thing I need is like more people calling me. I was like, it's great. It, in some ways, it's a great problem to have. Except the problem that I, the, the, the problem I have is saying yes to too many things. I was like, I don't have that problem. Like if I was like itching to like get a job or whatever, like I would be on LinkedIn. But because of the podcast or because I of uh, the network of people I happen to know, or I don't even know why. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I, don't I think eat. you're a bit of a, a unique case. I mean, I don't think everyone's like that. Yeah, I don't really know why it is, but. I was like, I just, I don't have to worry about it. I don't, I, yeah, it's like, you know, has it been updated? It's like 2006. I don't know. It's just like, I don't have a Facebook page. I don't really use Twitter either. I don't know. So he was just like, he was just completely, just didn't understand. <laughs> and he's like, well, because it's funny, we're talking there and, and I'm telling you different stories, but I don't think they were all really sinking in about various things. And then we're talking about, he's like, yeah, I think I just read this article about the five greatest programmers in the world. And you're like, Bill Gates. Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Wozniak, Dennis Ritchie, and some other guy. I'm like, yeah, I would not put Bill Gates and Mark so. Zuckerberg no. at all. I was like, I was like, first of all, um, Linus Torvalds, whatever. Yeah, Linus Torvalds, I think was on yeah. there. I said, yeah, okay, maybe he's on there. Yeah. I said, but first of all, I'd take Mark Zuckerberg off there for one, and I'd put on Jeff Dean. He's like, oh, he's like, yeah, I know Jeff Dean because Jeff Dean is known as like the you know, there's all these like Chuck Norris jokes about Jeff Dean. Like, like, I don't know who Jeff Dean is. Compilers Tell me don't warn Jeff Dean. Jeff Dean warns compilers. <laughs> There's okay, like tell a, me who Jeff Dean is because I don't, I don't know this. So if you go and look up Jeff Dean, you will see that he created most of the most important, impressive software that's come out of Google. From their, I don't know if their search engine, like, but like things like Big Table or Protocol Buffers, or I mean, the all the deep learning stuff. Like, it is unbelievable. Like he is like a one man brain trust there, <laughs> and he's I think he was 18th employee. I remember I was I was re- listening to the audiobook of In the Plex a year or two ago, and um, and uh, uh, you know I was talking about Jeff. You know he always say, "Come on, Jeff was uh, Jeff was leave his previous company after work and would ride his bike over to Google and would work for free for like a month or two just because." Cool. But wasn't he also taught by Steve Segura? Your so yeah. So I said I said yeah he worked. For you. I said you know. Jeff Dean gave me my first programming lesson in high school in Pascal. <laughs> and he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I go, you remember I told you my teacher, Steve Segur? I said, he was amazing. This amazing physicist. He was mentioned by name in an episode of Numbers. I was like, Steve would always have, there's three or four 
kids in the high school that he would kind of bring around him. And he was like our PhD advisor and he would be guiding our math science careers. Like it wasn't like you just take this class. He's like, Jason, teach yourself calculus. Jeff, you need to learn this. You know, do this on, you know, fractal geometry. You do this. I mean, he, that's, it was, he's our PhD advisor. And every quarter I took an independent study and he would sort of say, okay, here's an artificial intelligence thing we're going to do with Lisp. You should do whatever, right? It was just an unbelievable experience, unbelievable guy. And I said, yeah, so Jeff Dean was like two or three years older than me. I can't remember. He was either a junior or senior was a freshman. So Steve was like, Jeff, uh, take Jason and, 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 and give him, get him started with Pascal. So I'm saying, meanwhile, Jeff is like working for the CDC. He wrote a bunch of code for the CDC when he's like 17 or 16. And so he's like, really? He's like, he's like, yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, he worked for me at my time before he left for Google, right? He was the company that he was leaving after work to, to ride his bike over oh, to work wow. at Netflix. So. Nice. And I said, yeah. And he's like, well, if I had known that, I would have thought about you completely differently. I'm like, well, dude, you should just listen to the podcast, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not on my LinkedIn page. I can tell you that. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, Jeff Dean is... I've always thought I was trying to get him on the podcast. I just always keep forgetting. Oh, John Carmack was the other guy. They, it said, John, is it kick Bill Gates and... Uh, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg and put on Jeff Dean and John Carmack. But what about that that, that team from the mother of all demos? Um, oh, you're talking about... Um, I mean, surely they have to no, get... No, it's one guy you're talking yeah, about. That guy and has blanking, to get it. I'm I don't know his name, but like... I'm, I do know his name, but I'm Basically created modern computing like 20 oh, years he, before it... He envisioned it. He envisioned it. Yeah. And, and executed. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Michael, the co-founder, he was at Xerox Park when all that stuff was happening. Huh. Yeah. Well, he's a really smart guy. He's a really nice yeah. guy. That's why I was like, you know, like a big part of me is like, I'd like to work with Michael because he's really nice guy. Maybe it's not smart. over. Maybe it's not over. Maybe he'll he'll find a, a way. No, I'm 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 done for now. I'm done. Yeah, but maybe as an advisor or something. I told him at the end, I said, listen, I, I said, as you know, I'm a big supporter of this. We're gonna be your first customer. Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, you know, I think I, I would love to not have to do catalyst anymore and just sign Colby up. That would be that great. would be cool. Yeah. And um and, uh, you know, I said, obviously, if, if you wanted my Amy as some kind of advisor, obviously, I'd be happy to do that if you felt, thought that was helpful. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll also be grabbing lunch with him and hanging out. So, hang on. I think we're in the middle of the, uh, uh, the YC Oh, story. yeah. So, <laughs> Let's get back to so this. So, where, where do we end up? So, we're like three tangents off. We're like three degrees <laughs> off that thing. So, so Lola had says, we should apply to YC. Yes. And I kept saying, well, Lola, you know what? All of these companies you're talking to, they're like thirty, fifty, hundred thousand dollar contracts and up. Just close one of these. We don't need anything from anybody, you know. And she's like, "Well, you know, um, you know, because she she has job, and so she has to focus on that, you know, a certain part of the day. And so she's like, you know, getting YC, we'd have a certain amount of money, and we could, you know, do that kind of thing. And but, um. Yeah, so she was really interested. But but thing is, she had talked to so many different YC alumni that it was just like the obvious thing to do. Like everyone had gone through it, has been successful. It was like golden ticket. But she kind of knows a lot of the YC alumni as That's well. That's what I mean. She she's, knows she's, them. she's very in the center of in the that world. And yeah. I say, when you're in it and everyone around you who's successful went through YC and they're telling you to go through it and that you're thinking like, this is what we got to do. You know me, I'm like, I don't think we need anybody. There's, there's nothing going to tell me that I don't already know. I was like, I'll, I'll, I said, all we need is to execute. 
don't need advice. I don't need someone telling me, oh, you should go out and talk to customers. Oh, you should work on the product and make the UI really good. So did you convince her of that or did you no. pitch to, to YC? You didn't Well, convince. I said to her, I said, look, I said, you know what, Lola, if you want to do it, that's fine. I mean, I understand since you're the one who's going to be going out and talking to companies and selling and stuff like, you know, and I, that would be meaningful. That would be meaningful you to have a, a supporting network like that. Yeah, helpful. Yeah. The halo effect. I'm not going to get anything with. out of it, and it's going to be a pain in my ass because I'm going to have to fly up for all these like required Thursday um, dinners and talks and office hours, and I'd probably have to come up for at least half of them. And I'm like, so this is going to be a major pain in my ass, but I'll do it for you if you think it's really if you think this is a really big deal, then I'll do it. And she's like, okay, great. So she she spends a lot of time on the application, working on the application, and and she at one point she had. Like eight different YC alumni working on our application, <laughs> critiquing it. Like I, I log into um, Google Docs and I see all these people with their comments and the signs. And it's place. like the, the, like the names that you know. It's like the who's who. Of yeah, YC. it was like so and so from I don't know. You know, I don't want to give away anyone away because I don't. You know, but it was like I was like Tom. It was like Tom Sawyer. You know, when he Tom Sawyer gets all his friends paint the fe- paint the fence for him. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like who are all these people? <laughs> You know, and there are a couple more friends of mine, like Dimitri, who uh, from implicitly is a friend of mine who's gone through YC and some other people who I'd introduced her to. But um, I'm like, okay, so gets in. So then we find out a week and a half ago or two weeks ago that we got an interview. And I'm like, great. (laughs) (laughs) I said, unfortunately, we got an interview. I was like, I hope we don't get an interview because this is going to be a pain in the butt, right? And, um, so we get the interview and so hang on is is the interview going to be with Paul Graham or Sam Altman? So they have so there's roughly I think it was like 3500 companies apply and like they gave interviews to 338 of them so about 10%. Yeah. And I think if I looked on the scheduling thing there's like four three or four rooms of partners and you're just whoever you get like yeah. you just get. So um and I'll get to that in a second. So anyway, I went up to I went up to uh, San Francisco to work with Uber, but in the evenings I had to work on get the demo ready. So I'm like working late, and it just kind of sucked, right? Like, because it's just like what I didn't want to do. Like, this is just not. I told you I was going to have to put in all this work. I mean, why the hell are you applying to YC? <laughs> You're making me do all this work. I'm like, ah. So anyway, we we do it, and uh, we you know we go. And we that morning we um, it was so funny. Like, so she meets me in the morning at the hotel and she has her flat. I mean, she is like researching the crap out of everything. She has like every question that's like practically ever been asked of a YC company. And she's, she makes all these note cards and she goes through 12 grillings, like mock interviews. Cause the way YC get works, these interviews work, they're 10 minutes long and you're like three or four partners and they just blitz you. So you have to have a succinct, clear answer for everything. What are you building? Who wants it? Why do they pay for it? How do you get customers? They, you know, just bam, bam, bam. You can't be like, well, you know, you need, there's certain things that you have to get across. And if you can't get those across because you can't answer them succinctly, you're screwed. And so she's just going over and over market size, bottom up, top down analysis, hot product customer type, you know, just, just crazy. And then of course she's doing mock grillings with all these different companies and all these different companies are like pretending to be like the partners and they just grill you and stuff. And mm. I did two. I did one on the phone. I met one, you know, we went to a coffee shop and, and, and did it. And um, yeah. And so she's working her butt off on this. And I'm like, this is like uh, exhausting, you know, but I'm like, I'm at Uber. I'm like, Uber working with them. I can't, 
I can't like run around San Francisco doing this, you know? Um, unfortunately I said, you know, they're, they're kind of depending on me to get some stuff done and that's what I got to do. Yeah. So he comes and, uh, we grab breakfast together across the street from the, from my hotel. And then we go, you know, I'm recharging my computer up at the hotel. So we go up to my hotel room. And so she's sitting at the table there just, you know, working on her, her note cards <laughs> like for an hour. And I'm just like lying there on the bed. So exhausted. I'm just like, uh, like staring at the ceiling and she's just like where this cards it's just it's just like I, I mean, it's just so funny like the difference like her preparation my preparation is just like uh. <laughs> <laughs> my preparation is just like this huge stack of cards going over it and so then we get it we get an uber x and we're like, oh first she's like she goes i'm like well how because first she was gonna drive and i'm like oh great so pick me up she's like well i'm not gonna drive because I, I think we need to, I want to use that time to prepare. And I'm like, great. She's like, we'll just take a lift. I'm like, come again. I'm yeah. sorry. Did you say lift? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't take a lift. I said, we take an Uber X. And so anyway, we get an Uber X and we're spending, you know, so I'm just getting the cards and I'm just quizzing her on the flashcards. So the idea being that she'll do most of the talking and I'll just sit there like whatever. And so we do it and she's got it down. I'm like, all right, we're good. We got this. And so we get down. So we get under the YC office. We walk in. And sure enough, his guy goes, hey, Jason. And I'm like, it was this guy. I can't give away. But he, wor- he, he works for some other company. And I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he's like, hey, man, don't say anything. I'm like, don't worry. I'm not going to give you up. And it was just so funny. But there's a lot of people down there who were like, hey, man, don't, don't say anything. It's not even like, they have good jobs. They work at different startups or tech companies. But they're like, you know, they have the dream of doing their own thing. Yeah, right? yeah. And there's a chance that most of them are going to get it anyway, but they're like, I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, it's good enough. And uh, so we, we um, you know, so we, there we prepare a little bit and then, you know, she's wandering around. There's different partners wandering around who are like preparing people and doing a little more mock grillings. And so she's, she's so crazy. So we get in there. So that's like, all right, you're up. So we get up and it's Sam Altman and go, oh, geez, Kevin Hale from Wufu. And then two other people I didn't know. Um, Indian guy and this woman and I, I'm nice people, but I don't, I don't remember the names and boom, they get in and they start like growing. Okay. What are you building? What's the market? <laughs> you know, and she's just like, boom, she's doing pretty, she's pretty good. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like quick vol. He's volleying on back. But then she started talking about the product and she started to, you know, well, what, they started grilling a little, like to digging into it, like, well, why, how is this? So then I step in and I'm like, all right, this is how it's going to work. And this is why people are going to use it. So I didn't have, I didn't memorize the numbers like, well, the market is X billion yard, you know, I'm like, but I'm just like, okay. And so I think I did a good job of like answering their pointed questions about like how the product's going to work, why it's going to work and every, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, and so it ended up being kind of evenly split between us. Mm-hmm. And so we get out and then after it's over, it was like, wow, it was fast, <laughs> but it actually went longer. She's it. It was actually more like a 15 minute. They kept us longer, which, which is good. Um, so we get out, we're sitting on the couch and Lola's like, how do you think we did? Wait, I don't, wait, was the fact they'd asked this or they asked that, was that better? And I'm like, Lola, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so she's like, okay, what was the first question? Yes. He's like, all right, they asked this. What was the second question? She's like, I'm like, Lola, I'm not going to do this with you. <laughs> she's like, she was literally going to reconstruct <laughs> the entire interview. Every single question. I am like, I am not doing this with you. I think if you want to do that, go ahead. I'm just, I am like, exhausted. You know, I was up till, you know, two in the clock in the morning last three nights. We're, you know, getting the demo ready. I've been working at Uber all damn day. 
I'm just like, how did, did because it doesn't matter, right? You know, did we you gotta, show them the demo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they liked it. I think they were impressed by that. But the sl- uh, just one question about the demo: the slidey thing mm-hmm. was that done with CS3 trans transition, uh, or was that done with JavaScript? JavaScript. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Thing is, I was just using it with like um, a set timeout kind yeah. of thing. But I discovered there's another. Uh, I can't remember who it was. There's another little trick, like an animation thing that Chrome and Safari and Mozilla. Uh, support that makes it that works much faster it's much smoother whereas like we do a set interval and you're moving you're doing kind of animations it can be a little jagged sometimes it'll go yeah. fast sometimes it won't it, it didn't look like that so did you use the new trick or use the not old yet it just happened it was working fast when it looked good it. yeah it looked yeah. good I, yeah. thought it was, I thought it was nice I mean you know I, they needed to see that that it wasn't going to be just a stupid questionnaire thing it was going to be an adaptive um, uh, an adaptive survey to asking people you know depending on how they answered last time and depending how they answer this time. Kind of like, I said, think about like a super slick version of like, remember the Microsoft troubleshooter or your network troubleshooter? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I noticed your network isn't connected. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know I'm not stupid like that, but you know, it would ask you things about your, you know, stress or your time, to ha- you know, or like, you know, do you, you know, well, anyway, we can go, I'll t- okay, I'll talk a little bit. Like there's things like factors like your productivity. You right. know, do you have enough time to get stuff to get done? You know, if not, it's like, oh, you have too many meetings. If this, do you have too many projects? Are you, are you fine? Are, you know, like what's your, how interested are you currently working on? Are you interested in working on something else? Are you getting recognized for the things you're working on? You, you know, stress. It, it, we had like a bunch of different categories and then you could dig into those and then how you answered on those last time, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the key things was that you never show these answers to managers. Okay. This information gets rolled up and you get concrete specific and positively oriented action items for managers, right? So the manager says, you know, Justin, you know, like here, how to optimize your team. Jason is feeling stressed, probably could be reduced workload. Bill hasn't, it feels like he's, hasn't, you probably, you could, Phil could probably use a little recognition, stop by and say good job kind of thing. Justin is looking for some leadership, you know, things. Well, next time there's an opportunity to lead something or take charge, that would probably be. Mingle. So what are you people thinking now? The same thing as me, which is like, how did it go? Did you get I'll into get YC? Yeah. So, um, well, you're the one who got started asking about the. the yeah, server. sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So, uh, yeah, so we get there. So up there, you know, and uh, and I'm like, I, I'll, I'll just say this first. So we get out and you, and you kind of mull around. Right, there's all these other teams, and everyone's kind of talking to each other. How do you think it went? And everybody's kind of like have his dazed look on their face, like, "Wow, that was fast," you know. And and um, it was funny. So I thought I thought Lola was a little crazy with the twelve grilling interviews. I'm like, that this is a bit. I'm like, I can't believe you did that. I said I would have done maybe one or two myself, yeah, at most, which is what I did too. I was like, I just forget. But it. But you think she was correct to do it? Well, then we talked to uh, Jason from True Vault, one of the YC just passed re- recently. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. He's like, I did 50. Whoa. I'm like, you did 50? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I did 50. I'm like, that is insane. Oh, my God. And, and Lola's like, yeah, I wish I had done at least 30. I'm like, oh are my you guys? God. I was like, I don't know what you guys are smoking. <laughs> I'm just like, that's crazy. But, you know, one thing was interesting talking to those people there. I mean, these people uh, who are interviewed are whip smart. I mean, these are very smart people who are, I would say, kind of extremely and very ambitious, highly focused people who do their damn homework. Now, they are competitive. So they're friendly. Everyone you're against in YC 
It's the top, the top of the game. They're bringing it. I mean, these yeah. people are bringing it. This is the A teams. Yeah. I mean, these these people are. Yeah. I mean, everyone I talked to, I was like, damn. You know. So it is extremely hard to get. I mean, the the acceptance rate in YC is one percent. Hmm. Um. So even if you make it top ten percent or whatever, I mean, it's like he's still. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know exactly how the numbers work. I heard it was one percent. I think it's somewhere somewhere in the one to two range. So um. Yeah, I mean the fact that this guy would do fifty interviews. I mean that's that's a level of commitment and work. I just I can't relate to that. Like I don't do that. It's difficult to compete against as well. Yeah, and I thought Lola. I'm like, because I call it the Lola advantage. <laughs> it's like, what's your advantage? Like Lola, she's a force of nature. Like right. she will she will know what you ate for breakfast three weeks ago. I mean she will know everything about you. She'll know the research you do. I mean it's incredible. Um, she'll talk at meetings with anybody. It's it's amazing. So. Um, Anyway, so that so we come out, we do that for a little while, and then I had reserved a flight to fly out the next day as well and a hotel room because she she said, you know, there's, you're supposed to hang around for the rest of the day because they might want to bring you back in to talk again. And my flight initially was three, 3 o'clock, and our, our interview was like 11.30 or 11.45, so I'm just like, you know, thinking, okay, we'd have an interview, and then we have lunch, and then I can blow out of there, go home. And, but, but then I made this extra flight and hotel room a reservation, and then we found out you're only supposed to hang out for another 15 minutes. <laughs> so I so after that after I realized that I was like, all right, Lola, I'm I'm gone. I'm going home. I'm tired. You know, I'm yeah. done. So she's meanwhile is reconstructing the you know the interview. I'm like, you have fun with that. I'm going back to LA. <laughs> and uh, so you know, I then that night we uh, got an email. And we didn't get it. Oh, so they tell you on on the night? Yeah, that night by a I think it was by eight o'clock. Pacific time is when they sent us. So I got a bias to an end. So yeah, we didn't get it. And there was an email. It basically said three things. I can't remember the third thing was. It was kind of, uh, I don't I don't remember it being a very interesting reason or anything. It was kind of a generic. But the first one was they weren't convinced that people would actually, would honestly answer the survey questions. Feeling that, and Sam Altman, who's the president of YC, he was wondering, he very keyed on that right away. He's like, look, I'm not sure I would answer these things honestly. I wouldn't want to compromise myself. You know, he didn't say it in that exact words, but that was essentially what he meant. And and that was the first thing I keyed into when when Lola brought up the idea with me. I'm like, well, you know, people are going to be a little cagey about answering stuff. They're gonna like, everything's great, you know, because like I don't want to get fired. I don't want like yeah. you know people think I'm like not into the company or whatever, you know, you know. And uh, so I said we have to be very, we have to do a really good job on the UI and the messaging to make people feel comfortable and understand their confidentiality and privacy is of the utmost importance. That none of this information will be shared with the managers. The only thing the managers receive are very high-level positive potential action items for various people. Hmm. They don't know exactly why that information is to this person. And it's like, and if anyone says they're fine across the board, that's a worry. I'm great with everything. It's hmm. like really nothing. That means that someone's probably not being honest. Nobody is in a perfect situation. Yeah. So what? What are those? Not point number two. Point number two was they're not. They weren't convinced that managers would um, take action on the action items. Mm. And I said, look, the problem is the thing that they're not acknowledging is that uh, are not understanding. And I, I, we didn't have a demo of this working. And I don't think, even though I said it outright directly to them, I don't think it really sunk in. Is that the managers, man, the executive team will have access and they'll see what each manager is with feedback they're getting for different people. And it's like, hey, Justin is saying that he has been stressed four times in a row. What are you doing about that? 
So they're going to. So the manager's manager. So the so the ma- so Justin said it to the manager, and the manager's manager sees that Justin said that to the manager. Yeah. So he's going to talk to the manager. And say, well, so I see that this guy has been stressed and he's feeling that his it, he needs. Uh, but if he's continually stressed, what are you, what what action are you taking? Is saying is suggesting that you do X. Have you done those things? What are you doing? So in a sense, it holds them accountable. So then if somebody leaves and they've been this person's been complaining about that person about this particular thing you know that that uh, manager's gonna look really bad i I don't agree that people wouldn't answer because i mean i find people to be quite forthright in in the review process like it's it's their chance to kind of say you know it's it's their formal chance to say what's pissing them off yeah but i think i think people i understand why people be careful about it but um the thing is is that um you just have to spin things positively. When you present it to a manager, it can't be people complaining about you. It has to be, these are suggested action items for this person. This person needs recognition. This person we put in a project. Like, what can you do? Can, if you want to optimize this person's productivity and happiness, this is what we suggest. I guess what I can see is that it's a tricky line to walk. Like, it, it is a tr- it's a delicate line to walk. And so there's a question, you know, if I'm faced against these other really high quality YC people who've been preparing their interviews 50 times and they've got something where there's not really a delicate line to walk. They've just got a business that's going to work. I can see that that then it would be like, and we've only got 10 places or whatever, you know, maybe we'll choose this other one. I can, I can understand that. So anyway, um, yeah, we didn't get in. Um, But you're all grateful about, by the way. Well, I had mixed feelings about it because I'm like, this is like, I mean, I don't really have time to do that. I mean, I have to balance this with Uber. Like, right. I can do this. This is relatively simple from a technology standpoint. It's mostly going to be a sales problem, you know. So I can build a simple project on the side. I can make that happen. But flying up to YC and all this bullshit, I'm just like, Ugh. you know, that just doesn't really excite me. So is the is the idea dead? I mean, or are you can move forward um, with the no, well, So here's the thing. It was just the thing that happened. So, um, so... Michael had contacted me at Code World, and I was just like, well, you know, I wasn't taking it that seriously. I'm like, well, I, if we get into Y Combinator, then I'm definitely doing it with Mola. I mean, I can't say, hey, we got a Y Combinator, yay. All right, I'm not doing it. Like, that would be really mm-hmm. letting her down. I mean, she had put all her eggs in that basket and really had her high, high hopes on that. And so, but then when we did get in, and then the next day or two, she's like, you know, I don't know, maybe we should change ideas. I mean, you know, I always hear that when the YC partners give you feedback, it's usually for very good reasons. So maybe the idea is just fundamentally flawed. And that's well, they gave SendGrid, the, the, they rejected SendGrid, and they're now a pretty successful company are just about to raise $17 million, Yeah, uh, yeah they're extremely CRM. successful. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a number of companies like that. So I was like, yeah, I don't, I look, they, these guys, I mean, all these people are interviewing, they're young people. They don't have a lot of experience in working in big companies. And they don't have the answers to everything. And, and you know, um, people, smart people turn down ideas all the time because they have every, we all have our internal biases based on our own personal experiences about things. And some of the times are wrong. Hey, the Beatles were turned down by lots of record labels, you know. Uh, you hear that about books and movies. It's yeah. just, it's constant, you know, and smart people are wrong a lot of the time. They're Maybe they're right more than other people, but they're still wrong a ton of times. So I'm like, eh, as a really the only thing that you're going to prove that this works or not is you go out and, and, and try and close a couple deals and yeah. see if people, see if it works for companies. And I like, I said, honestly, Lola, I think that the real, the real feedback is we were three months too early. If we had come and had some traction, they really were asking about traction. 
right. we had come and said, yes, we've closed three or five or seven deal deals. You'd and we've be had in. hundreds of yeah. people and they are using it and, and we have recommendations from those companies, they would be in. But this just was too unproven. But I think the companies that probably got it were further along and had proof of traction. We had letters of interest. Yeah. You know, we had, we had four letters of interest signed LOIs, but that, that wasn't enough. So she, that cheered her up a little bit. But then I said, listen, Lola, I, you're showing some uncertainty. I need, and I, cause I felt really bad about this. I said, but look, given this current situation, I, I need to tell you about something. And I told her, I said, look, Michael from blah, blah, Code World, I said, this is something that I've been very interested in. And in general, this has sort of been a passion of mine. I need to hear what they have to say. I need to see. And so she was like, oh, no, right? Because <laughs> she's like, I can't close a deal or get funding without a really strong technical co-founder. That's the first thing they ask. Who's your technical co-founder? She's like, I can't get anything done. She, so she's just, she was just like, oh, God. you know. And I was like, well, look, I'll help you no matter what. I'll help you get a version one product built no matter what. I'll help you find someone. But honestly, I can't. It's not really apples to apples. I mean, now you're talking about changing ideas or not having ideas. Like, we don't have anything. You know, we're just talking about something. This other company is for real. It already has funding behind it. So I have, and it's something that's in line with what I've been wanting to do. I don't want. I need to have the dialogue with them and find but, out. But you've tur- now that you've turned that one down. What's yeah. your What's your position in your yeah, mind about? Yeah, I told. I I actually. Talked to Lola and I said, Lola, you better sell the shit out of this thing. <laughs> I swear to God, if I end up regretting this. <laughs> and I, I said, well, I'm just kidding. Like, I'm, like I don't push her. She was laughing. You know, she's like, I'm so happy. And I, I was like, you better sell the shit. Uh, That's funny. You know, so, but so you have, you have some conversations. She has some conversations going. Yeah. Yeah. She has a bunch of things lined up. And, you know, the thing about empath that works really well, like I said, is that. It doesn't really, um, it doesn't conflict with Uber. Right. You know, I can work from home. I don't have to travel anywhere. I don't have to do a bunch of stuff. I can just write some code. You know, it's a limited number of hours because it's fairly simple. We can get a simple version one up and then these things and see. And, you know, I can, you know. So it's called Empath. Empath. Like, nice. Like Empathetic. I really empath. like that name. Yeah, I think it's great. Empath, thanks. So, do you have a do you have a domain name? Uh, yeah, it's well getempath.com. But yeah, that's great. That's that's good enough. That, yeah. that works for a lot of people. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that worked. Well. I mean, was I remember we were thinking about it. She, you know, this is like six weeks ago, or I don't know, whatever, something like that. She's like, she's like, I think I have the name, and I was like, I already have it. Like I had got it, and it just popped in my head, and she's like, maybe Savant of this. I'm like, no, it's empath. <laughs> and she was like, yes. And so so we've gotten really good feedback from all, all the potential investors and accelerators and people who in you know, other companies are like, yeah, I love the name. So that's good people. So we'll see, you know, I mean, I honestly, I think it's just going to get a simple version one and a pilot and a couple of these companies, see if we can close some kind of deal, get something going and, 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 and go from there, you know, but I felt bad. I mean, the whole, the, it was a big, look, the Lola commitment was big for me. I mean, like, you know, I, there were a lot of issues why I had, reservations about the um code world thing yeah working or not working and i said but you know honestly it would have to be a home run like for me to turn lola down you know mm-hmm. i mean i it's like i i mean well, I was, she's, she's done a crap load of work and research and yeah. 
yeah, I meetings mean, and connections and sales calls and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, she has, and and you know, and I talked to her. I, I didn't want to drop a bomb, but I said, look, I I didn't bring it up before the YC thing. I said because if we were going to get YC, I was going to go with it, no matter what. I wouldn't let you down if we got a YC. So I didn't I didn't want to stress you about it. But then we didn't get it, and you're having second thoughts about everything. Look, I and I said, but I need to tell you about it now. I said it may not go anywhere, but I don't want to drop a bomb on you. Weeks and I would rather just be honest and say, like, I need to talk to them and find out what they have to say. And uh, and it kind of sucked because you know, she was on pins, she's been on pins and needles for the past week or whatever when we've been kind of talking, and you know, but uh, that's it. So, that's the story on that, right? Y Combinator, Idea Lab, CNBC. I saw the let me see, I had one or two things I needed to bring up. Well, the 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 domo thing as well, domo thing, domo thing. So, I mean. We're an hour and 45 so far, and um, it's it's definitely almost my bedtime. Yeah, I know. What time is it? 10.30? 10.30, yeah. Wow. Well, it's been a good show. I mean, I've been trying to keep up with your your number of stories coming at me, but uh, I don't have quite the, quite the same level. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, like crazy, my, life has crazy my, life, my, life, my life has been particularly crazy, so... Um, yeah, you know, I have, um, I have one last thing I'll bring, you know, kind of on letters from the dark side, just one last little All thing right. about that is, um, there, uh, so Seymour Hersh, who's like a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, came out with a great article. I'll put a link to it. Uh, it was called The Red Line and the Rat Line. But basically, and there's been some more follow up stuff about this, but basically, remember how I had said, uh, uh, this goes in the I told you so or in accordance with the prophecy <laughs> segment. It was, I said, I call bullshit on the whole Syria, Syria army. It was, it was the Syrian government who, who, who were the, behind this chemical attack. And I said, that, it said, it doesn't make any sense because the rebels are trying, they, all, they benefit by sucking us in. They want our support. They want arms. They want air support, whatever. Um, and, and, and the Syrian rebels, are, of course, is a, is a loose collection, a range of a huge number of groups. Some are extreme jihadists. Some are just, you know, are, are just people who are unhappy with the government. Some are, you know, it's a whole range of different types of groups. But as it gets bullshit, you know, that's, that's, that guarantee it's going to come out that that's not true. And sure enough, there's been evidence that come out that it was, it had come through Turkey, that Turkey help facilitate it they they and it was like wasn't sarin gas it was something else and like all that was just bullshit but Kerry kept going on and on people don't know john Kerry is the secretary of state going on and on we know we know they did it and and i was like it's bullshit that's just complete because they don't know and the fact that they're going to say no no you know, the fact that they're saying they know it when they're not showing any proof can almost guarantee that it's bullshit it was just just like the iraq just what started the iraq war we almost did another face plant we almost went in. It was only when Russia bailed us out and said, look, we'll help broker the deal with getting their chemical weapons out of Syria and dismantling their chemical weapons program. But it came this close. <laughs> but you remember me calling Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, total, utter bullshit. So anytime you have, basically you could say, anytime you have government officials going around that they know that something like that happened and they want to go to war for something, you can almost always call bullshit on it. Mm-hmm. It's really sad, but that's just truth. So... um, yeah, I'll put a link to it on, on, on about it. Uh, but, um, oh, and speaking of, it's always like, it, it, I was watching, um, I was watching uh, iRobot with, uh, who's the guy who, start, uh, who stars in that? Uh, Will Smith. Will Smith. It is this part, you know, where the rebellion starts, you know, because everyone thinks he's a little paranoid about the robots and stuff. And he's like, you know, 
Somehow I told you so just doesn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking when this came out. You know, um, I mean, it just, I told, it somehow it just doesn't say it. I did have, I did have one idea that I want to talk about. So, um, you know, we didn't go to MicroConf this year. And I kind of missed, I missed hanging oh, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I missed us hanging out with our people, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just the, the, the texting listeners. You people. <laughs> so <laughs> we want to hang out with you people. I had this idea and I discussed it with Ben Reyes as well. And he thought that it might be a goer. Um, how about we had a texting retreat, a yearly texting retreat where people. What a summit. A, a texting summit where people, uh, listeners, you people came to Pasadena for maybe a day or a couple of days. And uh, just with, in the same way, the show has no agenda. This is like an unconference. It's like a, a, an agendaless conference, but just people who we know are going to get on and like each other and talk about cool shit and interesting shit, and just hang out with each other for I don't know you a do, day, you, two you days, do three like, days. You do a weekend, like you do like a Friday night. Well, you, you were say, you were saying, look, if if we got if if ten people said they were going to come. Well, okay, we'll do a couple of days, but if like sixty people said they would come, oh, well then, the then we'll yeah. do a whole, you know, we'll do a three days or four days or something. Well, four days is much. I think three days. I think if you, I, I think if we got, I don't know, we'll see how many we get. If if if, if you're interested, if you'd like to do a texting summit and basically just come and hang out, we'll plan a bunch of fun stuff. It'll be like it'll be there will be no organized talks <laughs> <laughs> but there may be brainstorm sessions and people talking about different ideas that they've had and just interesting it'll stuff. be all the fun stuff that happens at conferences outside Ex- of the talks, outside of talks which, exactly it, it's like the, it's yeah that's that's a good way of putting it yeah it'll be the lobby because at the end of the day it'll that, be lobby talk that's what that's what's good about conferences it's like the it's the network connections that you make it's meeting people it's like forming partnerships it would just be a period it would just be like a series of meals like we have big breakfast a big lunch <laughs> a big dinner we rent like a whole you know like a whole segment of the restaurant and then just goes like but, but five maybe hours. someone will have a business idea where they're like okay i want to pitch this to the group and see what they think yeah. you know we could do like a couple of hours brainstorm session about that or it would just make crap up just like we do on the fly yeah <laughs> I mean, I think this that, is the crypto segment. I want to talk. <laughs> I mean, I was voice. also thinking, like, if if the people who wanted to to do that, there was some kind of mailing list where they could, you know, almost create their own schedule, right? Because pe- it, pe- when you put people in touch with each other, you'll find out that they've got commonality and they may want to do stuff and have some kind of a schedule. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to be involved in the in cr- the creating of the schedule. But I, it, it, there may be a schedule. But anyway, that was my idea. The texting summit. Well, okay. So if you're interested, leave a comment. Leave yeah. a comment and say, you know, and, and, and you know, yeah. And if it's some, you know, if we had enough people, I'd do. I mean, what the hell? It'd be fun. But I think that'd it'd be, be super a lot of fun. fun. Like you know, Sandy, you know, my wife. She's an event planner, or she has done a lot of event planning. Like she's, uh, you know, she's chair of the gala for the Young and Healthy. Like she puts on big things yeah so she could definitely help us like i'm like all right how we do this i'm like no next to no budget like how do we do kind of fun stuff when would we do it though i don't know like fall when when is that when is full when is the fall no i mean like how many months from now september well it's 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 may so it'd be like four months away or five you know maybe you do end of summer or fall or something like that. because that's beautiful in pasadena then right yeah it's not cold it's like well, I mean, the only time that's not great in Pasadena to me is like at the end of summer. It's just hot. Yeah. You know, the rest of the year, it's just it's just gorgeous all the time. So, But what happens if someone's flying over from London and we're only doing a weekend? Well, they could do a trip and do all kind of fun stuff. 
That's true. They could they could say, go hey, to like, Vegas. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the Texing Summit for three days, and then we're going down to San Diego, or then we're going to Vegas. Say, you know, right? I mean, it's like that's true. They, they could, could just say like I'm yeah. gonna kick off my. My uh, to my US tour with a little texting or something. I think it'd be a lot of fun, and I mean, I know that we would be very happy to host some kind of meal at this at this on the on the the Vincent Estate. Oh, would you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that would be fun. <laughs> that was a good idea. We said, like, yeah, it would be great." <laughs> I wonder if we could get. I mean, you know, maybe we would get like ten or twenty people, but maybe we get more. Maybe you we had like fifty or so or something. I mean, that would be fun. I mean, my favorite part. Okay, microconf has has always been fun. You know, um, but my favorite part of microconf were not the talks. It was the texting dinners. Right. By far. And it was just meeting our listeners and talking because they're always just <laughs> without exception. They're smart and interesting and fun to talk to. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it would be just like, you know, we met Ben Reyes. I mean, you know, and I, I go on a list. I mean, I just talked to Steve Merity, who's uh you know, I wanted to talk to him about the code school stuff because he was the guy who had, had done the Grok learning thing down in Sydney. He had yeah. emailed about that. And so I just, he's, he's finishing his master's in computer science at Harvard. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Smart guy. And it was just, I talked to him tonight for like a half hour. He was super, it was like, it was super fun. We should probably record some conversations with the people as well. No, we could do that. We could do like <coughs> a lot of, uh, we could even do a potentially a live, a lot, you know, just a short. I'm not saying like a full hour and a half show, but just like a, a, a 15 minute segment of like a live texting. We'll you, could do a lot. you could do all kind of things. I mean, yeah. well, so I tell you what, if you're interested or whatever, or you have ideas how to do it, leave a comment. Say, yeah. here, this, right. this is interesting. This is what I think you should do. Whatever. Tell us what you think. All right. Yeah. That's, that's good. good. All right. That's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah.